0: Welcome to Marvelicious Toys, hosted by Justin and his amazing friends, Arnie and Marjorie. We bring you news and reviews of Marvel toys, statues, and more, because not all Marvel collections can be bagged and boarded. They're not just toys, they're Marvelicious!
1: And welcome to issue 39 of Marvelicious Toys. I'm Marjorie.
2: I'm Arnie. And I'm Justin. Three days, folks. Three days. <laughs> Everything we've been building for. Three days. Justin, do you have your tickets yet? Not
3: yet. But you can smell it, can't you? You can smell it. I'm still trying to decide if I want to punish myself. Or if I just want to go enjoy the movie, because I'm sure, like, a lot of other people have this option in their towns, too. One of the theaters here is doing, like, a Marvel blowout, starting with, like, Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2. See, I don't think I'm going to do that. (laughs) That sounds like a nap in the middle of Thor.
2: I have the same thing. In fact, at first they were just doing it in big cities. And I'm like, ooh, four hours away, whole day off work, easy pass. But then they expanded it, and now they're doing it in, like, every city. Because if they're doing it in our town, they're doing it everywhere.
1: Yeah, we have it, which are completely stopped. Five because what means that you're just going to be alone watching it, I think. We're a very small market.
2: And so then I'm like, well, it's right here. Do I want to do it? I kind of do. I mean, I have watched all of those movies very recently and read their novelizations for the reviews at Now Playing, which you can hear at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Captain America is coming out today, so we have reviewed every Marvel film except for the Spider Man ones. And this includes, like, the David Hasselhoff Nick Fury one. So I feel like I've kind of done them marathon already but i'd like to go for the experience and the energy and the fandom you know avengers has pre-sold more tickets than all the other marvel movies combined
3: oh yeah i mean they're saying that it's on pace to have the biggest opening weekend ever
2: yeah So so the excitement and going for that atmosphere and watching iron man in theaters again all of that's very tempting but by the same token Also tempting is coming home after work and taking a nap so that I'm fully wide awake when I go see Avengers because I'm old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If you recall, it was a little difficult when we watched Iron Man 1 followed by Iron Man 2 a few years ago. It was just a long time to sit in the chair.
2: Yeah, and... We did try a movie marathon when Revenge of the Sith came out by watching parts one and two on DVD at home, then driving to the theater, watching part three, and then coming back home and watching four, five, and six.
1: I was asleep by the middle of Empire Strikes Back.
2: When Han went into
3: hibernation, so did you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I see. That's my problem with it, is I feel like halfway through that thing, I would run out of steam and then just end up being mad that I missed Avengers.
2: Yeah, it's never fun. I had the midnight experience when we went to see Attack of the Clones, and the movie started an hour and a half late, and we'd had to get up really early that morning. We were on our honeymoon, and I remember just being completely pissed by around halfway through, because it was just so late in the night so i think i'm gonna skip it i think i've done my marathon i I did think about i didn't a big reason is i didn't want to take time off work i'm like well what if i tell them i'm telecommuting that day and i go to the theater and i (laughs) step out during the credits and check emails but no i think i'm just gonna See it at midnight. I do have my tickets and your tickets and everybody else's tickets because I bought the Senotype tickets, the collectible tickets with the movie cells. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, we got a couple of those at Comic Con last year for
2: cap. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting the complete set. So I have purchased twelve tickets to the Avengers. And then this first set I got was damaged in the mail, so they sent me another larger set with another 12 tickets for the Avengers. So perhaps it's the biggest pre-sell ever because Arnie's already bought 30 tickets for the Avengers, most through Cenotype, but I wasn't sure if they'd work in my town. And so I bought midnight showing tickets for Marjorie and a friend of ours. At a bad theater, because they were on sale there earlier, and then I bought more at the good theater, so I've bought a lot of Avengers tickets so far. We're returning some of them.
3: <laughs> now, my big question is, 3D or not
2: 3D? They're not having the midnight shows here in 2D, so oh. for the midnight show, it's going to be the 3D experience. If it's as good as the early buzz indicates, and I haven't read any reviews, I just know the headlines and the Rotten Tomatoes score then maybe we'll go back and see it in 2D. Because it was filmed in 2D, so I think that might be the better way to see it. But I told Marjorie before we started taping, I actually just don't want Avengers to come out. I I just don't want to go see it. I just want to buy the Blu-ray. Can we just skip
3: to buying the Blu-ray, please?
1: Your little hype right now is the problem.
3: I thought maybe you were having a little bit of like Star Wars regret, you know, like I want episode three to come out, but then, oh, it's kind of bittersweet because it's the last new Star Wars movie to come out in theaters. But no, it's just you want it to be on Blu-ray already huh? <laughs> yeah. because of your TV.
1: But he's also <laughs> so hyped. It's unbelievable, Justin. Every day he comes home with a bag full of Avengers toys, trash keys and junk.
2: All right. here Here's the truth of the matter, Justin. I got an Avengers tattoo.
3: Did you for real?
2: I got an Avengers tattoo. I didn't tell Marjorie.
3: It's Black Widow. I kid you not. This, I gotta see. Is that for real? That looks like a press-on. Oh, yeah, it's a press-on. Absolutely, it's a (laughs) (laughs) press-on.
1: But it goes really well with his Black Widow slap bracelet that he's been wearing.
2: (laughs) Yes. You tell me I'm hyped. Marjorie comes home from, where were you even shopping? Target? Walgreens. Walgreens. She's brought me a pack of Avengers Temporary Tattoos.
1: Well, you were feeling down and I was crabby. Well, I was mad at you, so I decided I'd make it up to you by buying you things.
2: And she comes home. You think I'm hyped, she comes home with Avengers lip balm for herself.
1: Yeah, the little rings, they're very... She sure the lip balm is crappy.
2: She's texting me saying, has our Avengers cologne shipped yet? <laughs> She's on We Love Fine planning her Avengers
3: wardrobe for the midnight premiere.
1: Yeah. Guilty. <laughs> well, I had to get you a shirt, too. And
3: how much of this money isn't going to Hasbro? I mean, Hasbro, if they would have had their they're stuffed together and had all these waves of figures out, you would have them all in your hand by now. But instead, we've only seen one and a half waves of figures, and that's about it.
2: I know. I have bought a lot of stuff. None of it has, bro. Why don't we get to it in...
0: The Spectacular Store Report.
2: There are so many Avengers items everywhere, and we have predicted this. We had said that there were going to be a lot of avengers items but even i was not expecting the multi merchandise onslaught the likes of which i don't think i've seen since the phantom menace in 99 whoa
1: walgreens has a whole display of avengers things don't you find that odd walgreens
2: yeah that's that's a little out of the norm honestly we went to st louis this past weekend shopping and disney store well you might expect it disney owns marvel
1: Yeah, but we walked into the Disney store, and I'm wearing a Toki Doki Captain America shirt. And this guy at the Disney store hands me an Avengers thing. He's like, hey, here you go. You're an Avengers fan. I'm like, how did you know?
2: She was like one of those employees that says, hi, my name is Steve, and keeps wondering why everyone knows his name is Steve.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But he gave us the tip that their store is full on Avengers in a few days.
2: Yeah. The Monday before the movie came out, the store was going to really hit hard with Avengers stuff. But Old Navy, you walk past Old Navy in the front, a huge Marvel shirt display. Hot Topic, you walk just past the front of Hot Topic, a huge Avengers display. I mean, Toys R Us made, of course, the front of the store Avengers, which I fully expected. What I didn't expect to be included with the toys, though, which it does also include a good selection of Iron Man
3: 2 toys in case you're missing any, Justin. (laughs) Justin. (laughs) <laughs> At full price, but still, actually over full price now. They've moved them up to nine ninety nine.
2: Yeah. So, but <laughs> in addition to Iron Man two and Avengers toys and all that. I mean, there's all kinds of sports gear, basketball hoops, baseball mats, Nerf football, swimwear, like padded outfits for little kids to wear that are like life vests in the shape of like a Captain America shirt. And the foam is in the form of abs.
3: (laughs) It truly is. Spaceballs, the flamethrower out there. I'm telling you, it is just absolutely nuts. The body wash. Toys R Us is selling Avengers body wash. I saw that. (laughs) Uh, Depends
1: on who it sent it after.
3: I thought about getting it too, but I thought better of it after a while.
1: (laughs) Why didn't you?
3: (laughs) Because it actually, after you look at it a little bit, it's a really lame attempt at, at merchandising. Because it's just a squarish bottle of gel. And it just says Avengers on it. I don't remember seeing any character art or anything on it. It seemed pretty plain Jane.
2: There was no character art on it, but there were four different
3: flavors for four different
2: Avengers.
3: That display, I got to say, I'm sure it's different from Toys R Us to Toys R Us, but at the bigger Toys R Us around me, they have an impressive display. It stretches the width of an entire setup. In the middle is the movie poster art, and each one of the cutouts of the characters is an individual cutout. So whoever's lucky enough to take that down can have some really cool eight-foot-tall Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, and all of them.
2: There's a Black Widow there. So if you're
3: friends with your Toys R Us
2: manager and want to put a word in for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you
1: serious? You <laughs> <laughs> have a
4: dish,
2: baby. <laughs> Bigger than life-size. <laughs> They have, you know, at all the Toys R Uses I've been to, the life-size standees at Toys R Us, and I was looking through, and I was in the mood to buy something, and I wasn't really being too discriminatory, and so I'm like, if there's a Black Widow, I'm going to play a joke on Marjorie and get it. But no, there was Hulk, Cap, Thor, and Iron Man, but they do make Black Widow. She's available at SuperheroStuff.com, but I'm not going to do that. That's creepy. (laughs) Although I do like our photo editor Jeff's suggestion that I should get it and then take all the Black Widow memorabilia cards and
3: start just pasting the little bits of cloth on the life size. Yes. <laughs> there is a line, Arnie. There is a line that you are pr- approaching ever so slowly, <laughs> but eventually you will come up to that line. <laughs>
2: But here's where I realize it's gone too far. You know, everything I'm talking about is fine, but where it went too far is when I am at Walgreens and in the Avengers display is Muscle and Fitness magazine. And on the front is Hulk, not Lou Ferrigno Hulk, the completely CGI creature Hulk. I'm like, what kind of high-protein diet do I go on to become a fake being?
3: (laughs) You too can
2: have the Hulk abs. I keep hearing about how magazines and movies are portraying an unrealistic physical ideal for women. What kind of mind are you putting on the guys when you put him on the front of Muscle and Fitness and go work out, try
1: to be a CGI eight-foot creature? <laughs> they're totally missing out on an energy drink tie-in. Don't, don't you think you just scream for an energy?
3: Yeah, a monster or something.
1: Yeah, it really needs...
2: Yeah, it's... It's crazy how much is out there. It's just crazy. Anything you want. Spy gear. I did kind of like the Quinjet flash drive. It's only 15 bucks, but what am I going to do with a four gig flash drive?
1: That's for Quakers. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we went to see a movie last week in the theater that they always have tie-ins with their large drinks and popcorn buckets. And it seems like for the last two years, it's always been something with Twilight. But now the cups have Avengers characters on them and the plastic bucket of popcorn was a full Avengers thing too. So I finally kept one of the collectors edition of these cups. <laughs>
2: nice. Well, ours didn't do that. We went to see a movie last weekend also and they had nothing yet. Now, if you see it in IMAX, were you planning on, were you thinking about IMAX, Justin? That's the, that's the big question.
3: We have one IMAX in the area. No, we have two IMAX in the area, and those are the ones that sell out first. But then we have some really good digital projection theaters that aren't quite IMAX. So. If you go to the
2: midnight showing of the IMAX, they're going to have an exclusive poster for free at the midnight showing. Cool.
1: Can we get that at ours?
2: We don't have an IMAX.
1: Oh, no, you don't, I guess.
2: I'm actually not too jazzed about the poster. It's the same art that I'm kind of getting sick of. <laughs> And it's just matted, so it's widescreen, and it says, see it in IMAX 3D at the top and bottom. It just, I wish it was cooler, but it is that. I'm just hoping we get the character-specific 3D glasses at ours, because there's the six different pairs of 3D glasses. Don't you
1: have to do the movie marathon to get those?
2: If I did the movie marathon, I would certainly get a pair But I don't know if I'm going to get a pair just going to the midnight show. I don't think you are. Yeah, that's my fear.
1: Why don't you just buy a ticket for the movie marathon? Because
2: I think I can get the glasses cheaper than $40 on eBay.
1: But you're irrational right now.
3: (laughs) Did the Anakin goggles not teach you anything to just wait a minute? I bet you they're going to be everywhere afterwards. My guy's
1: like, Arnie has two wives right now. (laughs) Hey. It's okay. You can be the Nikki. I still get to be the Marjean.
3: All right.
2: (laughs) Well, Marjorie's not wrong. I am a little bit irrational because when I was at that Toys R Us itching to buy, I came home with a bag.
1: (laughs) He's got a cute little Avenger shopping tote that he now carries all over the house with his stuff in it. (laughs) Aww. I know! Isn't it cute? He totes it up and down the (laughs) stairs. He goes in the basement with stuff, then he comes back up and he's got his little tote. At least it's functional. But here's the
2: thing. It's not like I just bought the $2.50 bag. Oh, no. (laughs) When I came home, it was like Christmas, and that bag was full of Avengers crap. And I don't mean to diss it. Some of it's very cool crap. But I don't know what else to generalize the miscellany I purchased at Toys R Us that day as other than crap. <laughs> because in addition to the ScarJo wristband, they had, the wristbands are actually pretty cool. It's
1: actually pretty brutal, though. It's the heaviest slap band ever. It actually kind of hurts.
2: But the art is so well printed and so glossy on it. I don't see buying an entire series. I bought one just for example, and...
1: They gave her the come-here, big-boy lips.
2: Maybe that's why I picked that one over, you know, Hawkeye.
1: You can see, like, boob cleavage, and she's got some... Her lips are parted just so she's waiting for you.
3: Oh, yeah, and she's got some extra mascara on her eyes. Looking good.
2: Then I also picked up a uh, fat head bunch of wall stickers that I can put on my locker, apparently, according to the picture on the back.
1: Do you have a locker, Ernie?
2: I do not have a locker. Do
1: you need a locker?
2: But these are removable peel-and-stick vinyl graphics, so they're completely safe for me to deco my iMac with. So I'm assuming
3: they're smaller than the life-size fatheads. Yeah, these are really tiny.
1: These are like the ones that I got in our Superhero Squad.
3: Yeah, this is...
1: They're like 5 by 7
3: Yeah, at
2: most. The next thing I went all in on are these things called grabzags. And we mentioned them on a previous show. But there are Marvel grabzags, and then there are these Avengers grabzags. And our store, our town, for some reason, only has the Avengers grabzags.
3: Huh. Are they the same little tchotchkes? You get either a figure, a pen, or a flashlight? No, they're slightly different. You either get a figure, a disc launcher, Or a
2: skateboard, a mini skateboard. If you take your grab zags and you start feeling them, you're pretty able to tell which ones are figures and which ones aren't. I'm easily able to not get any disc launchers, because those are really flat and easy to discard, no pun intended. And by and large, I've gotten mostly figures. And I have assembled a full series, one of all eight figures of Avengers, including the Ultra rare chase Captain America happened to be the very first one I opened. Yeah, me. A few of them, because they do put them between cardboard, a few of them, I'm like, I think that's a head when I was feeling it, and it turned out to be wheels of a skateboard. So a few skateboards have slipped past my guard. But I do have spares of several of the Avengers grabs eyes. if anyone has some Marvel ones they'd like to trade.
3: Well, I have a Spider-Man pen, if, if you want it, because I thought that I was playing the game, too, and I was sitting there feeling around, and I was like, oh, that's definitely a figure. It's round and it's hard. I'm getting this one. And I opened it up and it was a stupid pen. So I was not happy.
2: Yeah, I, I do agree. We went to St. Louis and did find a store with some Grabzags, And I thought for sure I'd found a figure and it was a Wolverine pen. But the mm. pens are kind of cool on that series. They're much cooler than the skateboards or the disc launchers. Because they look like little Russian dolls. You can actually stand the pens up.
3: Yeah, they're just not very useful as actual pens. I don't know how you would go about holding that unless you had some major arthritis.
1: Little hands.
3: Working with a claw.
2: I do have to say, the Grabzags are incredibly cute when I started opening them. What they reminded me of more than anything were Marjorie's Marvel Frenzies. They're about that size and that kind of uh, cute style, so... I really got in on those, and I, they come with these bases, so the figures are able to stand a lot better than the Frenzies. So I really got into those figures. I think my favorites are probably Hulk and Cap. Thor is pretty cute, though. The Loki's cute. Here's think.
1: the thing. Hulk is always going to be hands down the cutest no matter what he is.
2: The skateboards are actually not that bad as far as the art on them goes. I kind of like the actual design and the printing, but I just don't get the point I don't get the appeal of these little skateboards. I know that McDonald's has them as, like, giveaways. Oh, my
1: God, this is so much fun. Look. Yeah.
2: I just, these have little, like, red ties. I guess I can hang them on my wall or use them as Christmas tree ornaments. But I don't get the
3: appeal of them. Yeah, those look a little cheap. Like the other ones that they have, like the Tech Deck ones, those are actually just like miniaturized skateboards. You know, they have art on the bottom and actual grip tape on the top. These look like they're clear plastic with art shimmied in between the clear plastic.
2: That's exactly what they are. That is exactly what they are. And the art that they're
3: using is the same art you've seen everywhere else, just cropped to skateboard sizes. Yeah, this is like... In our town, we have this company called Oriental Trading Company. And what they do is they make cheap party favors that you, you know, like if you're having a tropical themed party, they have, you know, five pound bags of umbrellas for your drinks and five pound bags of plastic frogs. And it feels like somebody from there talked to the Avengers marketing team and said, hey, pick five things and we'll throw Avengers art on it. Because that's how tchotchke these feel. Except for the figures.
2: Yeah, the figures are very cool. I definitely recommend these figures, but the rest of it, I have no desire to have any of it. I photographed the skateboards I got for our site and if anyone has some Marvel Grabzags they want to trade for some Avengers skateboards, I will even part with Black Widow.
1: Oh, snap. You okay?
2: But the Grabzags did not satiate my blind packaged Avengers desires. They also had a huge thing of heroics balls. The heroics we've reviewed on the show before. I had some Marvel ones that I picked up at Walmart. They're a great little impulse buy at 97 cents a piece, or Toys R Us pricing was like a buck seven a piece. But I was able to get a whole bunch of the Avengers heroics figs that are about three quarters, half an inch to three quarters of an inch tall, depending on which one you're looking at. And these are, again, fun little figures, I have to say there's not a whole lot about the figures that makes them Avengers the movie versus uh, Avengers the comic. The Iron Man has a little silver on his legs. Black Widow is doing a high kick straight out of the clip art from all the posters. But besides that, it just seems like little mini figures.
1: They remind me of the Star Wars miniatures. <laughs>
2: yeah, very much so. And their paint jobs just
3: are not very well done, especially no, on the faces.
1: Well, how can you paint something so tiny? The faces are indistinguishable.
3: Yeah, they are pretty small. been having a little bit of fun with my daughter with those. Every time we're in the toy store, she sees them, and, you know, we look at the art, and she picks up a couple and, you know, play the game of like, all right, which one do you hope you get? And she's looking for a Hulk. She wants Hulk really bad. Aww. And the last three times we've gone, we get two or three at a time. And the first time, we got two Spider-Man and a Wolverine. The second time, we got two Wolverines and a Spider-Man. And third time, we got three <laughs> So Spiderman. Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man. Phil Spiderman.
2: I I'm going to send your daughter one of my spare Hulks. Aww.
1: But that might take
2: all the fun out of it. Yeah, she's enjoying the, the Oh, blind okay. Bird. Okay. Then you know. I, I, I'm just true, offering. But- I wanted to make a girl's dreams come true besides Marjorie's. No,
1: I don't know. I'm jealous.
2: <laughs> but speaking of hoax, there are chase heroics that i did not realize i think i've assembled a full set they don't have a nice checklist like the grabzags do but i have the eight major avengers but as i was opening them what did i find but a get this justin
3: translucent hulk send me that one (laughs) (laughs) now that's in the avengers ones yeah that was in the avengers ones Wow,
2: it's a completely translucent, see-through hulk. I thought it was an ice cube. I'm opening it. I'm like, why is Iceman in the Avengers line? Is there a crossover
1: of which I'm unaware? Water weight. (laughs) It's water weight. (laughs) Ah, you're funny.
3: Fantastic.
2: But wait, there's more. Over at Target, you see, once I got a complete set of Avengers Assemble trading cards, I just needed more blind-packaged items to buy, apparently.
1: Wait a second. That's not the problem. The problem is, is that you're super-duper hyped for Avengers.
2: Maybe that's the case. Over at Target, they have blind-packaged Chibis. Is that how you pronounce it? C-H-I-B-I-S?
1: Chibis? I
3: don't know. Hmm. I don't know how you say that. Cheebes. We'll say Chibis.
2: And these are blind package. These are great, though, because they're only 3 bucks, and you get three chibis per pack. And there's only 12. So really, it's not that hard to get full sets. And when you get three, it's not like it's random three, at least in the one. I only bought four packs, but the one duplicate I opened was the same three in both. So I think that there's only four assortments you have to get in order to get the full ones. And these are little tiny figures that are extraordinarily thin. They're almost two dimensional.
1: They've got heads like Beavis.
2: <laughs> they do. They're like Beavis uh. and Butthead, my judge arts. <laughs> I'm still missing a few of these, but what I find very odd about this is this is the only collectible. Take this Hasbro. Take this Hot Toys. This is the only collectible that has me getting my heroes in civilian garb. I have Tony Stark in what appears to be a leisure suit.
1: Why doesn't he have arms?
2: He has arms. They're in his pocket.
1: Oh, I don't know if I like
2: There's a guy in a purple suit that I can only assume is Bruce Banner because he has red eyes. I hope he has red eyes. Yeah, that's pretty nondescript. There's Steve Rogers in, like, a tweed jacket.
1: <laughs> oh, that's horrible. He's creepy.
2: Agent
3: Coulson talking
2: on a phone.
3: <laughs> are any of them in their actual outfits, or are they all just plain clothes? No, there are several in their
2: actual outfits. I've just been completely fascinated by the ones that aren't. <laughs> we get Loki and... That's kind of cute. Nick Fury, and he kind of looks like maybe something out of the Oblongs or something, or maybe he's a conehead. That's Thor. All right. Iron Man, I think he's saying the Pledge of Allegiance.
3: So, this is, these are weird, like... Bigger than squinkies, hard plastic. I've never heard of them before. I wonder if they have other properties or if they have their own line of little dudes. Little, dude. little dudes. Well, chibi is a Japanese slang word meaning short
2: person or small child. So, Marjorie, your new nickname is chibi.
1: And your new name is single. Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it is a toy line of Japanese toys. They apparently have all kinds of little anime characters
3: and things. Hmm. Just goes to show that the Avengers is on everything.
2: Now our podcast enhancer, Barrett, got some chibis with his son, Pharaoh, and they left us this voicemail.
5: Hey, everybody. It's Barrett, and I'm here with my son, Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's seven years old, and we opened... A pack of these Avengers Chibis. And I think they're pronounced Chibis. So, Farrah, how are you doing? Good. And so we opened up these Chibis. What do you, what do you think about uh, the art on the, on the package here?
6: I mean, I mean, it really adds the detail. I mean, it looks exactly like it did in the movie, just doper. I mean, if you can see this, look at Thor's hammer. It's all lighting up and stuff.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty realistic. They're kind of kind of jumping out at you. But Thor's hammer looks really cool, and Hulk looks really cool.
6: Oh yeah, Hulk looks dope.
5: And, Cap- and Captain America.
6: Captain America? Dude, he's like he's like waving a peace sign at you.
5: And then you have the chibis who are kind of on the front. To uh,
6: oh yeah, we have Hulk, Captain America, and Iron Man.
5: So we opened up a couple of these, Pharaoh. And which ones did you get?
6: I got Agent Coulson, Nick Fury. Captain America, Hulk, Hawkeye, Loki, and Tony Stark.
5: Now this one right here, I I think we I, I thought it was Agent Colson at first too, but I think it might be maybe Steve Rogers. Like he's Captain America, but he's not wearing a suit. Cause you know, he has kind of like the blonde hair.
6: Yeah. But Captain America's in a suit on another chibi that I have. Yeah, I mean he has a he has a silver A. I think it's dope man. He Has a silver egg, his hands raising up. And he has the he has the feathers on the side like he does. Like he does in the movie.
5: Now I'm putting the squinky Captain America next to the chibi Captain America just for the size, so it's quite a bit bigger than the squinky, isn't it?
6: Yeah, pretty much. And they and they don't look the same kind of. I mean the, on this one his arm is raising down and on this one his arm's raising up.
5: Yeah, and the one's like a hard plastic. The chibi's like a hard plastic.
6: And the, and the squeaky's like all rubber and bouncy.
5: Yeah, so the squeaky's like more fun when you can throw it around the room like he just did, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you wouldn't want to throw these chibis around because they're plastic. And they're kind of, they got a little weight to them, you know? What are they, they're about the weight of what, maybe a peanut? Maybe two peanuts?
6: I think, I think they're the weight of maybe a plastic cup.
5: Maybe, but later, Fear the Hulk, he's, he's pretty heavy.
6: Yeah, I think I think that makes it all look so happy is his hair. I mean his head.
5: Yeah, he does have a big huge head.
6: Yeah, it's bigger than it's bigger than everyone I got here.
5: So, on a scale of one to five, one meaning it sucks, and five meaning beast. Five. You give it a five. Yep. So you think these are pretty
6: Yeah buddy. Beast. They're dope, man. They're dope.
5: There you have it. Straight from a seven-year-old.
1: Insulted. Thanks to Pharaoh and Baron for that nice voicemail about the chibis. I think a seven-year-old likes them more than I do. Yeah, I think so, because I'm not feeling it. I'm usually a sucker for little cutesy things like that.
2: Baron, you gotta now get Pharaoh some grabzags, see how he feels about those. And while I was down in St. Louis... I did go into the Disney store there, and I finally broke down after going to the Disney store many, many times. I bought all four of those Avengers-exclusive Marvel Select figures. I know you're just fond of the bigger figures, but the fact is, seeing the Marvel Select figures they are making for the Avengers movie and knowing that they're not doing the whole roster, they're just doing a few, and the Hawkeye looks really good, and the Hulk looks really good, and then they basically expect you to supplement the rest with comic characters. I'm like, all right, if you're going to make me, I will. Yeah. <laughs> I like these figures. I do. I We've got a chance to look at them real close, and they've got, you know, it's comic book Hawkeye, and then Cap, Thor, and Black Widow. Three of them, of course, supplement this the avengers movie real well and then i'm like oh crap i can't get
3: three or four and not just get the fourth yeah that would just be an incomplete set
2: (laughs) so i did pick them up (laughs) and you know getting them home getting them in front of the camera and everything i can honestly say these are some of the most detailed marvel select figures i've ever seen
3: nice they are up in their game you know and Aside from the exclusive ones, the nice thing about Diamond Selects is that they're usually pretty easy to come by. And you can usually see them for yourself at a comic shop or at a con before making your mind up on buying them. So,
2: Yeah, I, I got to admit, because I really was thinking about going in and just buying the Black Widow one. And I got to looking at the others, and I'm thinking Marjorie's going to give me a bunch of crap if all I do is buy another Black Widow item. I mean, I got the tattoo and everything. So. <laughs>
3: You had to hide her in with the rest of the purchase. It wasn't just a Black Widow thing.
2: And I bought Marjorie a Spider Man coffee mug, a figural mug with a web for uh handle. Nice. <laughs> but no, I do like these. I think that they are pretty cool figures. And I agree with you completely that the larger figures are the best figures. I actually went to Amazon this week and picked up the Watcher. Nice.
3: The big big head
2: when they told me at c2e2 some of the old molds had broken i'm like well if anybody's mold is going to break it's the watcher's head that thing just looks ready to break (laughs) so i did pick that one up on amazon i'm sticking primarily to the larger figures but being exclusive being a little harder to get and being there and not having to pay shipping on them i'm like all right i'm picking these four up
3: very nice
2: While I was at Disney, they had just an absolute ton of those minifigures. And we've said this on the show before, but at the risk of being repetitive, let me say it again. How many different scales of Marvel collectibles do we need? (laughs) (laughs) One
3: at every half-inch increment.
2: Well, this is probably getting down to the quarter-inch increment, because these look just slightly bigger than those ones we were seeing at Toys R Us. And they come in sets of... Seven figures apiece, piece, and they had like six different sets. So if you really wanted to spend like two hundred dollars, you could walk out with forty-two Marvel figures. <laughs> wow! There was an Avengers set, an X-Men set, a Spider-Man set, just a ton of these little sets. But I honestly, listeners out there, if you are buying these, please tell me, let me know. I really do want to know.
3: There's got to be somebody
2: buying them. There
3: has or to be. They wouldn't keep making them. <laughs>
2: If there'd been one set or two sets, I'd take it as a test marketing thing to see if people buy them. But with that many sets, obviously they're in wave two, if not wave three. Wow. And also at that mall, I found a, the Thai Beanie Baby Spider-Man ball, and I picked them up for 12 bucks. Yeah.
3: That's the beanie ball?
2: Yeah, the, the beanie you ball. The sizes of? Yeah, they only had the tiny size, which was perfect. I don't think I needed the giant balls. <laughs> No, you do not. <laughs> we also found these really freaky. Justin, have you seen these at Toys R Us? They're Superhero Squad branded items, but they're called Wibbly Buddies. And they look like porcupines, little jelly porcupines.
3: Oh, I have seen those. Those little cheap squeeze ball type of things that have air in them. Yeah, like coosh right? balls. Yeah. Those are weird. Hulk looks like Moss Man or swamp thing or something. <laughs> he really does. It
2: reminds me of a like I've only seen 2 Doctor Who episodes in my life, but in one episode of Doctor Who, he went to a planet of cactus people, one of whom looked exactly like him only he had little cactus spores coming out of him. That's what <laughs> looks like Hulk cap and hair.
3: Well, they have the same thing at Walmart in a, in a little waiting pool. They have little duckies and bunnies and chicks and that kind of stuff oh for $0.97 cents each.
2: <laughs> $0.97 so cents, I, could, I could go for. These were 4 bucks a piece.
3: Yikes. <laughs> yeah, too much for a dog toy.
2: I, was, I honestly would have bought one for our dog if I thought they'd hold up, but I was afraid of what might be in these that the dogs could tear up.
3: Yeah, I think it's just air, unless they have
2: that light-up ball in them. Yes, they light up when you pound them. Uh Forgot about that because I didn't buy them.
3: (laughs) Nor should you.
2: So that's pretty much what I've been getting. I mean, there's so much else out there. Marjorie, you go to stores a bit more than I do. Have you been to any Walmarts lately?
1: Not too recently, no.
2: Because apparently they have big standees in their toy aisle. Now, you know, Target has the... Big, you know, footprints.
1: The Hulk feet all over the toy aisle.
2: But at Walmart, they apparently have a big pallet display. And to make it even more enhanced, I guess, they actually have a augmented reality app for your iPhone. Now, it's got a little game in it, a cheesy little game. But the big thing is you're supposed to take your iPhone in and load it into camera mode, point it at the pallet. And if you, like, point it at the Hulk on the pallet... It's then going to give you a hulk that you can pose with a picture with. It's really hard to do though. Like I could do Black Widow off of a printout, and it was hard to get the angle right. But I don't know. I'd feel kind of weird like posing for in Walmart for pictures with a augmented reality app. But
1: anyone who was different, it was a different app.
2: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Posing for pictures at Walmart at all is kind of weird. But I want listeners to send us their photos. If you get an augmented reality photo of you at Walmart in front of this pallet with one of the characters, send it in and we will put it on our Facebook page and our website. Send it to show at com. I want to see what you can do. Anyone who sends in a picture will be entered into a drawing where you will get to win a Gamma Smash Hulk figure and a couple random. We'll load you up. Yeah, we'll, we'll get you a box full of some swag.
1: Maybe I'll send you Arnie.
2: So we'll need those pictures by May 15th. Send them in. There's a board game, which we've talked about actually
3: getting. (laughs) Yeah, some of the Lego sets are hitting out there. You know, I've seen at Target, we talked about, they had the Hulk figure type, type of Bionicle one out. And there was the smaller set where you could build the Captain America motorcycle. Then I also saw at Walmart, they had a couple of the packs that are just X-Men related. They had the uh, helicopter that came with Deadpool and Magneto and Wolverine, which looked pretty cool.
2: I plan on actually breaking down on these. I wanted the minifigures, and Marjorie and I had been going back and forth because you want the minifigures as well. And the ones Lego gave us, it's honestly, when we were at Toy Fair, Lego gave us two exclusive minifigs for Marvel, and it's really like that dealer saying, here, have a free gift. The first one's on me. Because now all I want are the minifigures. I really don't want the sets. And so we're like, well, we go to a lot of cons. And at cons, you can find Lego people, you know, pretty cheap, maybe 10 a piece, which is cheaper than the sets. And you could eBay some of the figures. I was really thinking about it. But what hit me where I live is Lego's doing two promotions. One is this coming weekend, Avengers Weekend for May the 4th weekend, where they have an exclusive Star Wars mini if you have a purchase of $50 or more. And then the weekend after that, there's an exclusive, different than comes in the package, Hulk minifigure, which is much more smaller scale, and it reminds me of, like, if they made a Lego figure of the Lou Ferrigno Hulk. And that's also with a purchase, so I'm like, screw it, I'm just gonna get these Avengers and... Marvel Lego sets
3: just so I can get these two exclusive minifigs and call it a day. Yeah, that's the way to go about it. They don't gouge on their side either. I mean, their, their prices are pretty well set.
1: But here's what happened. We're driving in the car in St. Louis and r says, Oh, we got to go to the Lego store next week because if you buy it $75 worth of Marvel Legos, you get a free TC14. <laughs> And for those of you who don't know, what TC-14 is a protocol droid from Star Wars. So see, Arnie was telling me he needed the free Star Wars droid because he had to buy $75 in Marvel's stuff, which doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah, she was confused. She's like, why would you have to buy Marvel toys to get TC-14?
1: <laughs> I thought you were trying to play a trick on me.
2: I kind of was. <laughs> but yeah, those are hitting the bobbleheads are hitting it. Even my Target had the full set of the Funko regular bobbleheads and the pop vinyls. I easily passed on the non-pop, the just regular style big head bobbleheads. I just don't like them.
1: Cause the pop ones are the only cute ones. I just don't wish, I wish they didn't bobble. I don't like the bobble. It's creepy.
2: But the pop ones are cool. And again, I'm just having terrible, terrible luck with the paint on the metallic Iron Man, my first one had a scratched up face. Now my second one has a scratched up head and a big splotch on his cheek. (laughs)
3: It's almost time for a new nickname.
2: They only have five in the Avengers series. So getting screwed are Hawkeye, Black Widow, and Loki, because those make the basic eight, but you get the Iron Man, Thor, Hulk. Cap, and
3: Nick Fury. Well, with all that Avengers stuff in the stores, it means that apparently no love for us action figure collectors out there. It's been just slow as far as anything with articulation goes lately. The only thing that I've seen lately, and I think you've seen them now too, was I came across some of the harder-to-find Avengers figures are shipping to Walmart again in a little bit of better numbers. And I found the unmasked Captain America, Steve Rogers figure that was, it's a variant and it was a little hard to find at first, but now I've, I've been seeing it pop up here and there more and more. So it's just that it's that Thor that I don't think exists yet without his helmet on that still needs to show up.
2: Yeah. I'm thinking he may be much again, like that Odin last time where he came in later waves. I've been looking and noticed. I did find, Finally, some new Marvel Universe stuff. I had never seen the last wave of Marvel Universe on pegs until this past weekend. I'd seen Remnants. I'd seen a Daredevil one time and a Storm one time. But I ended up ordering the whole wave on Entertainment Earth. And I finally saw them this weekend. And... They still didn't have the Psylocke, but those are starting to ship. And I finally found something you found months ago, Justin, and reviewed on the show, the Mr. Sinister Gambit and Adam Warlock Thanos comic pack. Very nice.
3: Yeah, that's, those are two great comic packs, and I'm glad they're, they're finally shipping out in better numbers now because those people are going to want that set. They were going for crazy amounts on eBay for a while there, and it's weird how long it took them to get back out there. I mean, I found those before Christmas. And then there hasn't been anything since. Which means, hopefully, that the new comic packs with the Mandarin and Iron Man and those start to ship soon, too. Because that's where we're going to get the new Hulk sculpt first, I think, is in the comic packs. And those are slated to be shipping in May or sooner.
2: I may go ahead and pre-order a case. Uh, Hasbro seems to be wonky with distribution right now. And Hasbro Toy Shop hasn't even had these new comic packs. I've been kind of stalking Hasbro Toy Shop for some new stuff lately and nothing. There's... So I'm thinking that those may be like this Mr. Sinister one, kind of hard to find.
3: Yeah, I hope not, but you never know. But speaking of wonky distribution, I've heard that people are finding Spider-Man movie figures at dollar stores. Now, I'm not sure which dollar store. I don't know if it's Big Lots or Dollar General or Family Dollar.
1: Big Lots is not a dollar store.
3: Family Dollar is not a dollar store.
1: <laughs> Do you mean like that everything's a dollar?
3: <laughs> the the movie versions of these guys are being found out there and it's in that weird deluxe scale that's a little bit bigger than a Marvel Legend but they're in that open packaging. Oh but yeah, yeah. Wizard yeah. and Spider-Man. Yeah, you know the the series that we got or we like the Destroyer from the Thor line in. Who I just found scale? this week at Toys R Us one of very nice. Yeah, so for whatever reason, that got out there early and skipped regular channels for now and went right to the to the bargain bin stores. Wow, I'm not going to go to dollar stores looking. But if you nope. find any, grab them for me, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I care that much about those. But <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, with no action figures found in
2: stores, let's go to... Sales to Astonish! I broke down and did something bad. Big Bad Toy Store, we talk about them because they often list stuff a few days before other sites announced they were selling the next wave of Avengers action figures. And there's only three figures in that wave. There's Black Widow, Movie Hawkeye, and a Skrull. Why a Skrull? I was told by Joss Whedon there's no Skrulls in this movie, but a Skrull. For those three figures, guess how much he wanted?
3: Well, since they're not coming out for a while and they seem kind of rare, I'd say about 40 bucks. Pretty close, 46. Yeah. Ouch. Actually, that's not too bad considering these things are $9 each at retail though.
2: So, double isn't that bad? I mean, you're talking then $27 in figures for 46 plus shipping, so you're paying $18 a figure? No, yeah, you're right.
3: That's ridiculous.
2: So, I went to Entertainment Earth to look at the case assortment for this. And it's bleak, Justin. It's bleak. Remember Sith? Mm-hmm. Black Widow is the new Sith. One per case in Wave 3. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Boo. I went ahead and just ordered a case. Because in a case, I at least... It's 110 for a case, so I am paying more. But I'm getting two Hawkeyes, one of which I'm sure Justin might be able to use.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm getting a Black Widow... I'm getting two Skrull Soldiers. So right there, I'm getting five new figures. And then maybe we'll have some giveaways for Gamma Smash Hulk on the show because (laughs) there's three Gamma Smash Hulks, a Fusion Armor Iron Man, Cosmic Spear Loki, and two Reactron Armor Iron Man. (laughs) Why Why
3: three Hulks? Why? Put one more Black Widow in there. Hulk is most heavily shipped there is. Hulk is not hard to find. No, no. that
2: That's going to be the one that's going to really, if this ever hits, you're just going to know because you're going to see just a lot more Hulk out there. That's a really piss-poor case pack. Mm Mm-hmm. And Entertainment Earth says those are coming in July. So I went ahead. I got the case because I'm really, really glad I got that case of Thor figures last year, even though I did eventually find Asif. I never found some of those other figures.
3: I've never regretted ordering a case on these harder to find figures. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the right way to go, especially knowing how some of these other movie lines have gone. And now we've had a month or so with these Avengers figures being out. And they either they're replenishing them really fast or they're not moving very fast. I think maybe it's a little bit of both. The pegs around
2: me are empty Uh, Every time I go, the stores, even Toys R Us, just can't keep Avengers figures in stock. I think that when the quarterly report comes out for Hasbro, we're going to see Avengers did pretty well for them. Or maybe they're just not shipping anything. I don't know.
3: (laughs) Now, I owe you a big, big thank you and maybe even a a plant on the cheek because you hooked me up. You hooked me up this week.
2: It was just two shows ago when I was reviewing Throg (laughs) that Justin (laughs) revealed some, I've said it on this show before, collectors don't have buyer's remorse, we have didn't buy it remorse.
3: Exactly. (laughs) And what do I get in my email box the other day? But Arnie saying, okay, it's not for sure, but there's a possibility that I might be able to get a squirrel pool for you. And as much as you can scream in an email, I think I did. <laughs> Long story short, I am patiently awaiting my squirrel pool to show up on my doorstep. He's super cute. He is very cute. You're going to love him. They only had 15,
2: Justin. So I actually, I bought a couple items. General Giant had a sale last week. The only Marvel item was squirrel pool. And I ordered your squirrel pool before I ordered anything for myself. Aww. Because I knew there were only 15, so... <laughs>
3: that's crazy. They must have found a box somewhere.
2: They did not sell out at San Diego on the latter days. You you know, I know you were hemming and hawing on them when you were there, but that Sunday you probably could have walked right up and gotten one, because I walked right up on that Saturday.
3: That's And that's why I thought that I could hem and haw and, you know, maybe think about it more and just order it when I got home and stuff like that, but... By the time I thought about it again, that's when they were impossible to find.
2: And I went looking on eBay for you, and they are they're just not out there. You it's not that they're expensive. There are no squirrel pools on eBay when I looked.
1: Why would you get rid of them?
2: Exactly. That's so cute. So I'm happy to have been able to help you out. You've helped me out many times in the past with hard to find toys, so it was nice to be able to pay it back if not pay it forward.
3: <laughs> and pay
2: it sideways. But you know what? <laughs> I think collector's karma helped me this week because after getting you the squirrel pool a couple days later are you familiar with mondo posters oh yeah i kind of know about these cool style i kind of know of them they did some star wars ones when i first became aware they're doing some avengers ones and i looked at the early ones and i'm like wow i don't even like the black widow one it looked like the fright night 2 vhs box i was like (laughs) you know that old like art you'd see in hair salons in the 80s
3: yeah, well, it's basically like 60s spy movie type of art is what the the feeling is supposed to invoke. I just
2: saw a real easy pass, but I was reading Marvel.com last Wednesday night. And I'm showing Marjorie because I am a little hyped. So Marjorie, you are, I am id and you are superego. Uh-huh. So when I see something, I usually run up by her to make sure, is this really nice or am I just really hyped? And so I turned to her and I'm like, Marjorie, look at this Mondo Hulk poster. It, I think I really like it. And I've never really liked Mondo art before. And she's like, that's really cool. And so is that Iron Man. And so I'm like, well, I think I'm going to give it a shot. Now, Mondo posters, they only make a couple hundred of them. And they don't tell you when they're going on sale. You just have to follow them on Twitter. And they announce on Twitter when they're up. And they sell out in Minutes, and I'm talking single-digit minutes. The Hulk and Captain America sold out in four minutes. Wow. I
1: know. I got the tweet that it was on sale. I went to log in or click on their homepage to buy it, and then the tweet came through it was sold out. There's no leeway there.
3: I got both. (laughs) Nice. The Cap one is by far and away my favorite. That one is just super cool and super stylistic and simple. The Hulk is a little busy, for my taste in that style, but still cool artwork.
2: See, for me, I actually like the busyness of the Hulk more than the simplicity of the Cap. And what happened was it was crazy. Their site was crashing. It was so slow. And Hulk was the only one there first. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to dick around and wait for Cap to show up. I'm just going to get Hulk, because that was the one that drew me first. The browser window started to time out, so I opened a second browser window so I could log in on one window while proceeding through the cart on the other window. And while I was checking out in one window, the Captain America came up in the other window. In one window, I had already pushed complete order. So I'm on like the last stage of checkout. And on the second window, I hit add to cart for Captain America, thinking I can start a second checkout process. The first window comes up and says checkout complete. And I got both. It had somehow snuck it in the cookie under the wire Oh, nice. So, that I feel is the collecting karma gods smiling upon me. <laughs> well deserved. Now that I'm the cooler, these will be the first Mondo posters ever to devalue on eBay. <laughs> Cause I looked, even the ones I don't like are selling for three to five hundred dollars.
3: Whoa.
2: Yeah, they retail at forty five.
3: That's absolutely nuts.
2: When you have a big fan base and edition sizes in the two to three hundred, that's what happens. Especially with Avengers hype at its peak.
1: The Hulk one's already going for $71.
2: That's almost double. Wow. And speaking of good collecting karma, also, and I mentioned this on our Facebook and Twitter feeds, so you should follow us there. We talked last year at New York Comic Con about Geek Box Display. Uh
1: Uh-huh. And I told you just to buy.
2: Back then you told me to buy. And you told me you were going to buy me some, and we were really looking at them, and I really wanted them for my hot toys primarily. While I think they'd be great for Marvel Universe, Marvel Legends, and they'll custom make you anything. And if you didn't listen to that show, this guy made a geek box display of Marvel figures presented to Joss Whedon at the rap party for Avengers. He was contracted to do it. He didn't just like show up with it. He was hired <laughs> to make this kick-ass diorama of figures that Joss Whedon has in his office. So he's a hell of an artisan. And the only reason I didn't is because I didn't have any place to hang them yet. Well, he's moving warehouses and marked his geek box displays down crazy low. The hot toy scale hall of armor that has room for four Iron Man in the hall of armor. And then you could put like three or four more hot toys in front of it. Normally $600, $250. So
1: Once again, I said, bye.
2: Yeah, you were really tempting me. (laughs) Yeah, I was. He had two in stock. And so I'm like, I'm getting one. And I felt, Justin, that I couldn't sleep at night if I didn't give you a heads up on the second one.
3: I mean, yeah. And you, you gave me a couple of sleepless nights of knowing that I passed on it. got <laughs> you got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah. That's going to be awesome.
2: The, the way I explained it to Justin when we were going back and forth is we know Hot Toys is coming out with Hall of Armor bases and we know Hot Toys doesn't sell anything cheap. So if those bases come out and they're $75 a piece, then you're going to spend $300 on bases for four Hot Toys. And this box is only 250 and it's far more unique and cool. And God knows I've got enough Iron Man. I can put, you know, four in this Geek Box and still put some more Hot Toys in their official ones.
1: Which I want to point <laughs> out, though, that you blamed Justin and me for the Iron Man issue.
2: Yeah, at C2E2, after we recorded our... Report. we met a listener who loves Marvelicious Toys. It was so cool to meet a Marvelicious Toys listener. And he said, my wife blames you, Arnie, for all my Hot Toys expenditures. And I said, well, really, it's Marjorie's fault. And Marjorie's like, me? I said, you're right. It's not you, dear. First of all, I have to drive home with her. But second of all, I realized it's Justin's fault for telling Marjorie to buy me that first Hot Toy.
3: (laughs) Oh, passing the buck right down the line, right down the line. (laughs) See, I recognized inside myself a little bit of a quirk that I know if I just stay away from it, I should be all right. Because I knew if I got that geek box, I'd be sitting there looking at it and there'd be two, maybe three blank spots in it. And I just couldn't stand looking at it that way. So I'd have to go back and try to fill in those holes and pay twice retail for some of the other ones I missed just to just to fill that box out. So, so what's instead of the being lesson a,
1: we've learned here, Justin?
3: I don't know. The lesson is you buy Hot Toys when they're pre-ordered
2: because otherwise they go up in price. <laughs>
1: don't hesitate on Hot Toys.
2: And really, you could have gotten it's still up for pre-order over at Sideshow, the second version of the Mark I armor. So you could have gotten that, and very recently they shipped the second version of the Mark II armor, and they still have some of those in stock as well. So you could have gotten at retail Mark I, Mark II, and then done War Machine and Mark VI.
3: Yeah, stop talking me into it.
2: But that said, that goes from a two hundred and fifty dollar expenditure way, way higher. Mm hmm. <laughs> but you know that Mark Seven's calling you. You know it's like the the sugar plum fairy in your head at night is actually a Mark
3: Seven hot. Time. I know.
1: I can just imagine little Iron Man dancing. <laughs> the sugar plum fairy dances the Iron Man suit. <laughs>
3: Maybe there's some subliminal advertising going on in our Fiverr songs that I'm not aware of. <laughs> Arnie, are you sweetening those?
1: <laughs> it's not like he's stopping. Oh, well, he should if they ever go public.
2: Well, I did pick that up. I think it's going to be really cool. Shipping is a bear on a 60-pound giant box, but... It doesn't come, like, disassembled. It comes complete. I also got, for my Marvel Universe figures, he has an Alien Invasion display box, which is a torn-up city that's just tall enough to fit, like, the Giant Man and the Goliath figures in it and put in just a ton of Marvel Universe figures. This thing's, like, three feet long by 18 inches tall. Ooh, you could almost fit Galactus in there. Maybe the
3: Sentinels could fit in there.
2: I think it would be too short for them. Goliath is basically bumping his head. So, and the Sentinels are a lot taller than Goliath, but I could easily use those other ones by there and for $200, I could not pass it up.
3: Yeah. Now you've got me thinking. I'm going to keep stalking the aisles at at Walmart where they have the where they have the Sentinels on clearance and if they go down cheap enough, it might be cool to have a down Sentinel that you can tear the arms off and put some wires in there. I thought about that. I did
2: think about breaking a Sentinel apart and having, like, Sentinel, like, just the torso ripped apart, laying there and people fighting over it. Wolverine ripping the head off.
3: Yes. <laughs> Name your sweet spot, because at 20 bucks, I think you'd have no problem ripping apart a Sentinel. $25 is my sweet spot, if you find it. Oh, all right. Yeah, well, but
1: you don't want to ship it.
3: He'll, he will he could break it apart. It apart. <laughs> yeah. It's... <laughs> I can put it in a tiny-ass box. It's going to be all torn apart.
2: I open it up. It's like the end of Seven. I open it up. There's a sentinel head. Ah!
3: (laughs) I'll send it to you individually.
2: (laughs) Piece by piece. Pay the ransom, or the next is the (laughs) elbow. Well, and if I haven't ordered enough online, it seems that Sideshow, or really Hot Toys, is just kicking me in the groin. Every Marvelicious Toys, I come on and go, well, I pre-ordered another one. (laughs) Hot Toys released their Captain America from the Avengers Hot Toy for pre-order. I did get him. I love him in his helmeted version, of course, as with all the Hot Toys. There's so many other versions. The maskless version, they tried to give him a I'm angry face, and instead it just looks like I need orthodonters for my overbite.
3: <laughs> it's an incredible likeness. It's just a weird expression.
2: And you know what? I said this to Marjorie before the show when I was looking at pictures of these one-inch heroics on my 17-inch monitor. Anytime you take something and blow it up, it looks worse. I remember when I did my first custom figure and thought, I painted it so well, and then I took a five-megapixel photo and wanted to commit suicide. (laughs) So maybe when this is actual size, I'm going to be fine. But in this blown-up picture on Sideshow's site, the facial expression of the maskless head, I'm just not fond of. But hey, you don't have to take your mask off to have a good time. <laughs>
3: okay. I'm really impressed with the way the the shield looks. the The unbattle damaged shield looks like it's actually made out of metal painted over.
2: The first Avenger one is a very nice piece, and this one looks to be equally nice on the shield. It's just and I love the figure with the mask on, and the accessories he comes with an alien gun. And it's just a really detailed, vibrant piece. It doesn't look like it goes with this figure, though. You know, it looks kind of like a weird extra piece. But Is that the
3: exclusive or is that part of just the whole game? There is no exclusive version on him.
6: Huh.
1: That's a relief.
3: One thing I've been noticing on all of this merchandise for Captain America is right through his midsection, there's like a weird EKG-like relief line that goes right through his midsection there. And I'm wondering what that is. Have you guys noticed that? Oh, I see it, but I didn't notice it now until you said it. Are you talking the gray stripe? No, it goes it goes horizontally across his midsection through the red white and stripey area and it's just it's on the action figure, it's on the Hot Toys, it's on all the versions I've seen and it's like a weird EKG blip. Oh, I see what you're talking about. I do not know. We'll have to see the movie.
2: Maybe, I don't know. Agent Coulson designed that, so maybe it's just something
3: he maybe put he's in. he's
1: got a little jeunesse
3: I mean, it seems weird. It seems like a weird detail that none of the manufacturers have missed. It seems like, the reason I bring it up is because it seems like somebody from Disney said, make sure that detail's in there because it's going to play a big part, or there's a reason it's there. Don't forget it.
2: Huh. Good eye. I never noticed it, and now it's all I'm looking at. (laughs) Well, they've already teased the next one is Thor. I imagine when we're here in mid-May, I'll be like, Well, I ordered Thor, and now they're teasing (laughs) Black Widow. They're saving Hulk for last. I know they're saving Hulk for last.
1: Are you going to get Black
2: Widow? I ordered freaking Hawkeye, okay?
1: What's the regret going to sit in?
3: Avengers 3.
2: Ant-Man the movie. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, somewhere around Avengers 7 when there's no original actors left. And you're buying hot toys of somebody you've never heard of. Or even worse yet, maybe somebody you heard of. Frenchie Stewart as Captain America. Hot toys. <laughs> <laughs> Jim J. Bullock is Thor. Justin
2: Bieber is Iron Man. <laughs> That's when the regret sets in. That's when that's when the Avengers movies become like the Star Wars prequels. In my day, Avengers were better.
0: (laughs) You're here with a mission, sir? I am. Trying to get me back in the world. Trying to save it. On May 4th, the most ambitious comic book movie of all times hits theaters. The Avengers. You think you're the only superhero in the world? You've become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. Now you can join Arnie, Jacob, and Stuart each week at NowPlayingPodcast.com as they watch and review all the Marvel films. Guys, I'm bringing the party to you. Iron Man. Yeah, I can fly. Captain America i knocked that Adolf Hitler over 200 times. Thor. You're big. Fort bigger. The Incredible Hulk. Dr. Banner, your work is unparalleled, and I'm a huge fan of the way you lose control and turn into an enormous green rage monster. Ending with a weekend of release review of The Avengers this May. How do we do this? As a team. You can find it all at nowplayingpodcast.com.
4: Any
6: last words?
0: This just in. News from the web!
3: Well, if hot toys aren't your thing, or if you're like me and you have to just kind of admire most of them from afar, maybe the Walmart six inch legend figures are more your speed. So we finally got to see some pictures of. What we're going to be seeing this summer in the Marvel Legends style Avengers figures. It seems like they're out in the Philippines at this point. So hopefully they're showing up here pretty soon. But looks like we're getting some brand new figures. The, uh, the Hulk, Hawkeye, Loki, and Cap are all brand new sculpts with nothing that we've ever seen before. And Thor is the same Thor we got last time around. This time just without a helmet. And the Iron Man looks to be the biggest jip of them all. looks to be, I think, that Mark Six.
2: Diamond Select did the same thing because he starts the movie in the Mark VI. They're like, eh, good enough.
3: Yeah. This might have been the only chance to get a nice Mark VII armor in that scale, though. So who knows? Who knows? But, yeah, it's, it's nice to finally see some actual pictures of these things, and they're looking pretty good. The Hawkeye. Is awesome. He's got a cool bow and arrows and all that stuff. I'm looking forward to those things more than anything else in this Avengers line right now.
2: And also some other news. Hasbro sent us an email just last week with some images that they're going to be doing some new Spider-Man figures. Go figure. Spider-Man. We haven't had a Spider-Man in at least two weeks. But this is (laughs) the new Ultimate Universe Miles Morales Spider-Man. And this is actually really cool. I've been... Brian Bendis, good writer, sucked me back just when I thought I was out. He pulled me back in with this new Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man. There have been some great stories. This year is Spider-Man's 50th anniversary, and they're doing the first ever Ultimate Universe, regular universe crossover in spider man this summer, where Miles Morales from the Ultimate Universe meets Peter Parker from the 616. So I'm jazzed that they're going to be doing this figure. They're going to be doing a Marvel Universe one and then a six inch Walmart exclusive one.
3: Yeah. And I I dig this outfit out of all the different little minute detail changes that they have in Spider-Man outfits over the years. This one, I think, is pretty cool. I like what they've done with it. And it seems like the Marvel Universe one is going to be a, a running variant of a different Spider-Man that we're getting. And I'm not sure if that's going to be the baghead Spider-Man that we've seen at the shows before or if there's just another spider-man coming out in the line that this one will be a variant of yeah they just sent pictures no words just pictures yeah well also in those pictures going back to avengers we've got some looks at loki's army figures whatever alien race those are looks like there's going to be an individual carded one and a deluxe version one that comes with some sort of big cannon gun type of thing And it looks like they've kind of upped the game on the articulation a little bit
2: They did that also with the third wave, Hawkeye and Black Widow. So I think this last wave of figures is going to be cool. I want to know what line they're coming out in. Are they planning a fourth wave of Avengers? Because, remember, at Toy Fair, they said that there were two figures they couldn't show us. One was a deluxe and one was a regular. Well, the regular one they couldn't show us was the Skrull. So the deluxe one they couldn't show us was this other alien but it looks like they're now doing that Alien in a deluxe and non-deluxe version, kind of like they did the Frost Giants last year.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah, who knows? It could be two deluxe. It could be maybe a comic pack or a battle pack type of thing that other one comes out in. That's true, because we did also
2: see pictures of the Avengers comic-style multi-pack that's going to be hitting someday. <laughs> Who knows when?
3: Your guess is as good as mine.
2: And then for those who collect the Diamond Minimates, you know, there was a lot of news at the panel last month that you can read online about all the new ones coming out. There's a lot of very cool Minimates coming in the future. But trying to increase their online presence, MarvelStore.com, affiliated with DisneyStore.com, has two new sets of exclusive Minimates. Mates. One's Hulk, Giant Man, Captain America, and Kang. And the other's Thor, Grim Reaper, Iron Man, and Hawkeye. Now, none of these, of course, are movie versions, but these are exclusive to MarvelStore.com. And the only one that really gets me is the Hulk, because he looks like Smart Hulk from the Peter David run. (laughs) I think they call him Professor
3: Hulk. He's got a weird haircut.
2: And then I also saw over at Cool Toy Review that there is a new company entering the Marvel license arena, because we need more, Psycho Consumer Products. I don't, I haven't heard of them before, but they've entered a new license directly with Lou Ferrigno. But they are going to be making collectible statues, busts, and exclusives of Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk from the 70s TV series.
1: This is only going to work if they do the bad hair.
2: They will be. They will be doing troll doll hair. They're going to be launching it, and I may have to have this. I seriously may. I I mean, because if you've been reading all my reviews of the Venganza Media Gazette and heard my reviews over it now playing of the Hulk TV movies, Ferigno Hulk's kind of my thing. If this is of good quality... I may have to get the premium format statue that's going to go on sale later this summer.
3: That's okay. You may be the whole reason why they're offering
2: it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's lots of hits on my name.
2: (laughs) I did even review his autobiography over at booksandnachos.com. So I've been knee deep in Lou, so I need a Lou that comes up to my knee. (laughs) So that's something that we will certainly be keeping a close watch on here at Marvelicious Toys. There's absolutely no good segue out of that.
1: No.
3: No. Now here's Jerry with a timely review of figures of yesterday. (laughs)
0: Come on. Let's turn back the clock for timely reviews. Hey
7: everyone, Jerry here, and I welcome you to a special Avengers edition of Timely Reviews. Like so many, I am super excited for the release of the Avengers film coming up on us here shortly. So for me, the last few weeks have been all about taking in previous renditions of Earth's Mightiest Heroes, as evident from my Incredible Hulk review on the last issue of Marvelous Toys. So in this issue, I will briefly discuss a little-known Avengers animated series from the late 90s, and of course, the toys that it brought to us. First. Let me say that aside from the Incredible Hulk series, I've recently went back and rewatched one of my favorite Marvel films, The Ultimate Avengers, that was released direct-to-video in February 2006, with its sequel, Ultimate Avengers 2, released in October of 2006. Aside from a passing knowledge of who the Avengers are, these two movies were my first exposure to an Avengers story, and specifically to characters such as Ant-Man, Wasp, Black Panther, Black Widow, and Nick Fury. The first film is outstanding, and the sequel is good enough to not miss. These films are readily available on DVD, Blu-ray, and digital download. In fact, a three-pack of these two films, along with New Avengers Heroes of Tomorrow, was just released this past week on DVD and Blu-ray for fourteen dollars Can't say anything about New Avengers, however, but Amazon does have the Ultimate Avengers Collection Blu-ray release from 2007 that consists of both Ultimate films for $7.99. That's just too good to pass up. However, they were just released on Netflix streaming this past week, along with other Marvel animated films such as Planet Hulk. Now, speaking of which, I also went to Netflix to catch up on the current Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes series that airs on Disney XD. I find it hard to keep up with the show given when XD airs it and how spotty it's been to find a new episode to watch. But season two just started and I decided I needed to just blast through season one and catch up quickly. I'm totally captivated by this series and can't believe I've waited so long to get started with it. I even own the DVDs but just haven't got around to watching it. And oh by the way, there's a Blu-ray version of season 1 available in Canada if you're interested. Now, I mention all this as its pertinent background information as you hear my thoughts regarding the first Avengers animated series that premiered on Fox on October 30th, 1999. The show was called The Avengers United They Stand. The show ran for 13 episodes and was canceled in February 2000. Yes, that probably speaks volumes to how well-received the show was, and in fact, some websites I've read have called this the worst Marvel animated series ever. Now, I'm not sure if I'd go that far. I mean, heck, there's still a Silver Surfer show out there that we've yet to talk about. But let's go ahead and take a look at what this show was. Now first, a little background. One thing to note, in January of 1999, a little show called Batman Beyond began airing on Fox and was a huge hit. For those of you outside the U.S., you may know the show more as Batman of the Future. The show told the story of the next Batman, Terry McGinnis, being trained by Bruce Wayne in the year 2019. Seeing how well received this darker, grittier, future tale of Batman was... Fox went forward with two Marvel projects. The first was Spider-Man Unlimited, which featured Peter Parker on Counter-Earth, and the second was Avengers United They Stand. Now, Avengers cartoon had been in the works since 1997, which would have most likely been a Captain America-centric show. However, Marvel's bankruptcy put the brakes on the project until 1999. It was at this time that the success of Batman Beyond became an influence on what the Avengers series would be. Set approximately 25 years in the future, the Avengers were led by Ant-Man and consisted of a roster that was inspired by an early 80s West Coast Avengers team. This team included Wasp, Tigra, Scarlet Witch, Vision, Falcon, Wonder Man, and Hawkeye. Ant-Man was a co-founder of the Avengers, along with Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man. However, Cap, Thor, and Iron Man are not regular characters in the show. Captain America appears in one episode that features Baron Zemo and the Masters of Evil, whereas Iron Man has a most forgettable appearance in a separate episode. Thor was to be in a season two show, but of course, that didn't happen. All three of the mainstays are prominently featured in the title sequence, however. Now, the show never really explains why they're not part of the day-to-day activities of the Avengers team, but two appearances by Cap and Iron Man would imply that they have their own missions and things to do and only associate with the Avengers team when the situation calls for it. You know, basically they were the talented lead singers of the band that decided to go off on their solo careers. You know, typical prima donnas. Interestingly, I wasn't even aware that this show existed until just a few years ago. 1999 was just a bad time to release anything new like this, at least for me. I was such a fan of the X-Men and Spider-Man shows of the mid-90s that when they went off the air, I just didn't want anything new, especially Spider-Man Unlimited. And quite frankly, the Star Wars prequels hit in 1999 and my attention was diverted. Coupled this with the fact that I was newly married with a new job and a new house, I just wasn't watching a lot of Saturday morning cartoons. But had I tried Avengers United They Stand in 1999, even I would have been disappointed by the fact that this team didn't feature the likes of Captain America and Iron Man, and I would have quickly given up on it considering that its leader was Ant-Man, who, who back in the late 90s I couldn't have cared less about. Apparently there were licensing issues that kept these three main characters from being regulars on the show. I don't know what those issues allegedly were. Perhaps they were related to the potential film projects going on at the time, but we know Iron Man had his own series five years prior. Interestingly, Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch were characters on that show as they were members of Force Works who aided Stark. But now is a different story. Given my familiarity with the 2006 direct-to-video films and the current Avengers series, I now know who Ant-Man and Wasp are fairly well, I understand his connection with Ultron, and I have a familiarity of Avenger villains like Kang, Baron Zemo, and the Grim Reaper, all of which make an appearance in this series. Now that said, this show does very little with these characters other than have them appear a time or two. Ultron is the consistent villain of the show and appears in at least half the episodes in some way, shape, or form. But knowing what I know now and naturally being able to fill in the gaps, I find the show enjoyable. I totally understand what the premise is, but it's just not very exciting. There's nothing groundbreaking here, not with the storytelling, character development, or even just with the plain dumb action. What's very obvious to me, though, is that this show very much had the toy line in mind. I'll talk to toys here in a second, but one feature of the show is the drawn-out, armor-up sequence that occurs in every episode. Ant-Man, Wasp, Hawkeye, and Falcon each have armor that they break into before the big battle. The looks of these characters are unlike anything you've ever seen for the Avengers and are almost unrecognizable for Ant-Man and Wasp. Hawkeye's look is completely laughable to begin with, and the addition of the armor doesn't help. The other members, though, had armor for specific situations. They had armor for outer space, for going underwater in an episode that features Namor the Submariner. They even had armor for the jungle mountains and cold weather adventures. In 13 short episodes, each character had a minimum of five battle armors. I'm speculating, of course, but keep in mind that during this time in the toy aisles you had what I called the Batman effect. The Batman animated series was notorious by the countless versions of Batman with an outfit for every occasion. The Iron Man series toy line certainly did this with stealth armor, inferno armor, hologram armor, samurai armor. Well, you get the point. I'm sure there are big hopes of uh, making a dozen hawkeyes and ant-mans with the various repaints of armor but alas that wasn't meant to be now i do have to say this show is poorly written and sometimes you'll just laugh out loud at some of the lines that are meant to be serious but just couldn't possibly be taken as such there are times when you feel like you're watching a show that was created to be 30 minutes in which they had to go back and remove eight minutes of dialogue so that they could trim it down for commercials key plot points are overlooked Character decisions are at times not called out, and several situations go from being completely hopeless to being resolved in just a matter of seconds without any rhyme or reason. The Avengers' first encounter with Vision the first couple episodes is a good example. Vision is at the Avengers' mansion, overwhelming each and every one of them, and even puts Wonder Man in a coma. And then Wasp is suddenly able to just fly by, zap him two or three times, and he's out of commission. In fact, some of the worst lines from the series come from Hawkeye. Listen to this.
0: Wonder Man's gonna be okay, right? No, Hawkeye. Wonder Man is not okay. He's dying, and I can't do anything about it. Hold it! You're not blaming this on me! Don't forget, Mr. Big Shot Leader, you
7: told me to lay low! Not now, Clint. Uh, no, Hawkeye. Ant-Man isn't saying that at all. There's nothing there that even resembles a shift of blame to you. Now, by the way, why in the world do you sound like Wolverine from the X-Men cartoon? Now, interestingly, I was convinced that this was the gentleman who did Wolverine's voice, Cathal Todd. But to my surprise, I found that he was voiced by Chris Potter, who actually did Gambit's voice on the X-Men series. Now, one voice that is unmistakably familiar is that of Tigra, performed by Lenore Zahn, who provided the voice for Rogue on X-Men. So my point to all this is, although the Avengers show is not great by any stretch of the imagination, here now in 2012, if you're into the Avengers at all, you'll follow along, enjoy some of the good moments the show has to offer. If for no reason, it has some of the only appearances of characters like Wonder Man, Falcon, and Tigra in animated form. Not counting superhero Squad, of course. Now, even though, sadly, Wonder Man is in the first episode and not again until the last two. But the lack of star power is a bit of a bummer, and the plots feel more like they belong in an early 80s cartoon era, not in the late 90s, where other comic-based shows like Spider-Man, X-Men, and Batman have established the ability to create intricate plots and characterizations through clever writing. The show is not currently available on Netflix, nor is it being played on Disney XD. The only way I know to get this show is through iTunes. There was a Region 2 DVD release in 2007, but I've not seen that available anywhere. On iTunes, you get all 13 episodes for $14.99. Not bad, and certainly worth the curiosity factor, and for me, even satisfied my need to own the series into my collection of Marvel animation. Now, as always, I like to take these discussions down into the toy aisle to see what Toy Biz was up to at the time. This show was out long enough to have two waves of action figures, ten in all. These figures were five inches tall, and wave one had figures of Ant-Man, is a normal-sized figure but also came with a miniature Hank Pym with his backpack jet. Kind of a cool accessory as it's straight from the show. It's a cool concept, really. Hank wears a small little flight pod on his back, like a backpack, and when he shrinks down, he just simply jumps in and flies around. This Ant-Man figure is done up in his armor, which is not removable, but the helmet can come on and off. Next on the list is Wasp. Nothing too special about her, but she has articulated wings, a swappable insect head, which is her helmet in the show, and also includes a robot accessory. Then we have Vision, who is a very nice-looking figure. He has a cloth cape, a translucent chest and head for a really cool light-up. Oh yeah, Justin, you need this for your translucency hall of fame. Next up is Ultron, who is more traditional-looking than how he actually appears in the show, but a very cool figure nonetheless. He comes with a light-up arm blaster as an accessory, but this is not to be confused with the Ultron figure that came out as part of the Vault subset line that was also released in 1999. Those were actually six-inch figures and actually only had three characters in line, Ultron, Typhoid Mary, and Stegron. The next figure to route out of Wave 1 is Captain America, who I'm going to save for a little bit later as he's going to be my spotlight review for this segment. Wave 2 featured Hawkeye, who is also molded in his armor, but designed well to hold his bow and arrow. Next is Falcon, who is also donning some pieces of the show's armor, and also comes with his trusty sidekick Red Wing. Then we have Tigra, who didn't wear armor very often in the show, so is here just shown in a regular costume with a weird little training drone accessory. The last hero is Wonder Man, who likewise is a character who never donned any armor. But he has an action punch play feature, light up hands, and even comes with a little Avengers logo ring. The villain of this series was Kang. Kang was just in one episode and has a very different look from his comic book form. But it's a great figure that has a feature in which he can hold and light up a spear in his hand that also has a little wasp figurine that you can trap inside of him. There was a scheduled third series of figures that of course were never released due to the short time the series was on air. But that series would have given us a second Ant-Man with snap-on armor, a second Hawkeye with full-on armor, a deluxe Ultron, Remnant, and figures of Thor and Iron Man. Recall, Thor was to have made an appearance in the second season. Now, let me step back to Captain America. I recently purchased this figure on eBay because after seeing it, I thought it was one of the best-looking Toy Biz-era Cap figures I'd ever seen. There was this crude original release from the 91-92 Marvel superhero line that Toy Biz started with, but we didn't get the next one until a few years later with the Spider-Man Electro-Spark series, and quite frankly, that figure sucked for two reasons. First, the head is terrible. He looks like an alternate evil Captain America with a psychotic look on his face like he's just looking for someone to kill. But then he doesn't even have a real shield. The shield he comes with is just some goofy translucent piece that shoots out sparks fitting with the theme of the line. It's tiny and it's just plain dumb. This is the same body, however, that was then later used for the Marvel vs. Capcom Figure 2 packs that I talked about a while back in which Cap was bundled with Mork. That Cap got a new head. Funny enough, it's this Capcom 2-pack figure that's actually shown on the Avengers United They Stand card art. Now, likewise, this same body was repurposed for this line with one minor addition, the goofy A symbol on his belt. In the show, each of the Avengers wore an A on their uniforms that acted as a communication device a la Star Trek, as if Captain America needed another A on his costume. Let's see if we have this straight. This A is for America. This A is for Avenger. America, Avenger. Got it? Good. Let's move on. Now with this figure, yet a third head was designed for this line that matched the show's animation style better. It's a tiny little face with a square jaw, which is a bit odd, and somewhat Batman the Animated Series looking, but it works very nicely on this figure and for Captain America in general. The shield is a bit gimmicky with a magnetic feature on it that activates the exploding droid accessory, but it's bigger and can snap on Cap's forearm. It too has a small Avengers A on it. or is that one for America? Okay, let's review this again. This A is for America. This A is for Avengers. America. Avengers. America. Avengers. All right, let's keep going. One thing I have to comment on with these figures is the packaging. As a folding carton designer myself, I have to say this blister card is really cool. It's scored along the sides and the top to form a reverse tuck to the card for the show's logo, and even has a cutout to view the top of the figure in the bubble. The cutout is unnecessary, though, as it awkwardly knocks out the image of Ant-Man from the image that's printed where all the superheroes are together. Clearly a case in which the art designer did not realize what areas were going to be die-cut away. Then the bubble has this large sticker on it telling you all about the figure and the action accessories. And according to the sticker, A is for action. Wait a minute, I thought A was for Avengers. Or was it America? Alright, one more time. This A is for America. This A is for Avengers. And apparently this A is for action. Overall, these figures are my kind of toys. They aren't articulated like most figures are today, but they do have elbow and knee articulation when possible. But the designs of the figures do a great job of capturing the aesthetic of the show, which admittedly is fairly simple, but I think it works. Most of the figures on card can be had on eBay for about $10 or so. Very obtainable. Ant-Man is really the only one that tends to go for a little bit more. I've seen those ranging from $25 to $40, but I think that's quite a bit of some buy-it-now wishful thinking on the buyer's end, mixed in with a little bit of Avengers hype. Now, just hold on with him, and I think you'll do better. Now, I recommend this show to any Avengers fan and fans of Marvel Animation. It's actually not bad, and I'd say it's worth $15 on iTunes. I hope you enjoyed this review of a most odd and unique Avengers adventure. And I hope you go off this weekend and enjoy the heck out of the Avengers film. But I'll be back next week to tell you what I thought. See you then.
2: Thank you, Jerry. Next up. As you guys know, I've been reading the novelizations of these Avengers movies as we've been reviewing them over at Now Playing. Now, they didn't make novelizations for Thor, Captain America, or Avengers. I did actually see an Avengers Junior novelization at Target, God dang, did I want to pick that up and spoil the
6: hell out of it!
2: But I didn't.
4: Uh, it's troublesome. I wanted to <laughs>
2: spoil it all over the store. Spoil it right there in the aisle. <laughs> So the last adult novel that was written was for Iron Man 2. When I got my Iron Man 2 novelization, I was a bit shocked. It looked like the other books in the series I've reviewed so far, but it's said by Alexander Irvine. i just assumed, and wrongly, that this novel would be written by Peter David, who seemed to be making a nice sub-career by writing novelizations of Marvel Comics films. David had written Ang Lee's Hulk, Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, and the Spider-Man film novelizations, and my enjoyment of Peter David's writing was the only reason I was even looking at these movie novelizations to begin with. So, I felt a bit let down off the top by seeing a different author one I didn't know at that. The back of the book told me Irvine was a novelist and writer of the Daredevil Noir comic series, and Wikipedia tells me that he also wrote some Batman and Ultimates books, and the book Iron Man Virus, which came out just a few months before this novelization, so clearly he was someone in Marvel's stable of writer who knew comics. I also realized Irvine was a name that I would have become more familiar with as he was slated to write the Star Wars novel Mandalora, a book which was to feature the character Nomi Sunrider from the Old Republic era, but that book was cancelled a couple months ago. Knowing Del Rey and Star Wars, odds are if he was contracted to do one book, he may be doing another soon, so I was very interested in seeing Irvine's writing style, and if I should look forward to reading more of his works, or to dread them. Now the book does follow the same general story as Iron Man 2 the film, as is to be expected, but as I've said in previous reviews, often these books are based on the original shooting scripts and contain scenes never filmed or deleted from the movie or earlier drafts of items. Clearly, this is the case with Iron Man 2, as I'll get into. But mostly, I wasn't surprised by any of the content of the novel. But truthfully, I was immediately put off by Irvine's writing. The first 50 pages of Iron Man 2 came off as sloppy, poorly written, and I was actually shocked that this book was professionally published. I realize that sounds harsh, but let me explain. First off was Irvine's prose. He tends to enjoy overly long and complex sentences that are quite confusing, such as this one from very early on, page 21, the big design innovation from the Mark III, in his opinion, as the suit's designer... Okay, co-designer with Jarvis if you wanted to get technical. But since he'd designed Jarvis II, Tony figured there must be some kind of transitive property of creation that meant he'd designed the whole suit. The big design innovation was the use of non-metallic polymers and carbon nanotube meshes in a number of the suit's components instead of the titanium alloy that was the building block of the Mark III's armor. That is one sentence. How is that a sentence? How many thoughts... Did Irvine need to cram into that jumble of words? In addition to the flow, he just breaks English 101 rules with use of metaphor and simile. He uses language simply incorrectly and then decides to give himself a pass by making it the character's fault instead of his own. Get this from page 24. The people were here to see him roasted by the slings and arrows of barbarian senators. Tony loved to mix a metaphor when no one was listening. The reason it's a mixed metaphor is because slings and arrows obviously don't roast things. They skewer them. But rather than change the verb from roast to skewer or impale or anything else, Irvine just says, yep, mixed metaphor, moving on. You can make Tony Stark a genius, or you can make Tony Stark... The kind of guy who can't use English correctly and mixes metaphors, or you can just write it correctly the first time. Irvine chooses to try to combine the first two to ill effect. More, my jaw hit the floor when I saw Irvine include product placement in the novel. Listen to this from page 18. Happy's answer was to trigger the remote that opened the roof of Tony's most recent favorite set of wheels, an Audi R8 Spyder. Ah, Tony thought, the Spyder, with all of the R8's drivability, the added zip of a 580 horsepower twin-turbo V10 engine borrowed from the RS6, and a soft top to boot, because there were times when you just needed to put the top down on the Pacific Coast Highway rolling down from Malibu to Los Angeles. This R8, which Tony had owned for less than three months, was, he had decided, the finest thing ever to come out of Audi's Nicarselem Nerve Center. German engineering would save him from the maddening crowds through the improvident sacrifice of hydrocarbons. It's really bad if I'm reading a book and wondering if licensing made a deal with Audi for in-print product placement, or if Irvine just made his own under-the-table deal to get a Spider V10. It's also bad if I'm wondering if Irvine wrote that paragraph himself, or if he was sent an ad slick by Audi and he just cut and pasted it directly into the novel. Beyond all this, I'm also shocked by Irvine's use of racy language and sexual imagery in the novel. Understand by shocked, I do not mean offended, but just surprised at things Irvine chose to include and that the editors and Marvel Iron Man brand managers would say, yeah, that's okay, leave that in. Yes, Iron Man 2 the movie is PG-13, but it's a very soft PG-13, as are all of Marvel Studios' movies. I can't recall hearing an F-bomb dropped even once, even though you can once in PG-13. For proof of that, check out X-Men First Class. Well, in the film, the senator played by Gary Shandling says some words at a certain one that starts with a letter F that's bleeped out of even the PG-13 film, where you could say it. Here in the book, there it is in its four-letter glory. It's used only once in the book, as if the book itself had to conform to MPAA censorship standards for PG-13, but I was surprised to see what was bleeped in the movie put right there in the book. Having read several Peter David novelizations recently, I can say David would have written something like In a quick moment that would soon go viral on YouTube, the senator quickly told Tony what he could do to himself were it anatomically possible. Something like that, which the knowing audience would be able to understand as a reference to the F word, and the rest would just go over their heads as some kind of insult. In addition to just curse words, the book has some pretty racy and blatant sexual content, more so than even the film. I mean, in the movie, Robert Downey Jr. gives the line, Hammer needs a slot, Christine, and it's a funny double entendre. But in the book, Tony calls Hammer sloppy seconds, and Hammer replies, blow me. First of all, neither one of those is really clever. And second, the inclusion of both just again had me wondering at which audience this book was aimed. Irvine also includes at least three references to three-way sex in the book. There is one funny scene when Tony's in Monaco talking to the press and he starts to speak what words of French he knows, including, and apologies to any French speakers who are listening to this podcast for my mangling of the language, joie de vivre, sacre bleu, menage a toi, all that stuff. That's innocent and in good fun, but then there's a scene at Tony's birthday party where Tony's with a particularly hot blonde headed to the bedroom, and Tony invites Rhody up for what Barney of How I Met Your Mother would call the Devil's Three-Way. And that Devil's Three-Way then becomes a point of contention between the two characters in the book. Again, none of this offended me. Hell, it entertained me just to have it as a distraction from some of the poor prose. But it made me wonder if, honestly, did anyone at Marvel Pictures, Paramount, or even Grand Central Publishing ever bother to read or edit this book? That's a question I'd have as the book goes on, too. If it's not bad enough that the book was poorly written, it was also carelessly written. There are a lot of head-scratching scenes in this book. For example, during the end of battle, Tony's armor is referred to as the Mark IV suit. And that's fine. I'm not going to get anal over, It's Mark VI, not Mark IV. You got it wrong, Alexander Irvine. It could have been a post-production change or something licensing even did to refer to the suit with the triangle as the Mark VI. ...when the movie makers may not have cared quite so much. In Irvine's novel, it's the same armor as at the start of the film, just retrofitted for the new arc reactor. Fine, I can go with that. Or is it? For the first half of the fight, Irvine calls it the Mark IV. But literally, one page after calling it the Mark IV, he then just switches and starts calling it the Mark VI. And for the rest of the climax of the film, now he's in the Mark VI armor. Now, the end fight in this book is long. The Stark Expo showdown comes in at 100 pages... 3rd of the book, but nowhere in those 100 pages did Tony go home, design a new armor, don it, and then fly back to the fight. Also, in the scene where Black Widow, Natalie Rushman, Natasha Romanoff is introduced, the funny scene with Tony and Happy Hogan in the boxing ring where Natalie pins a very happy Hogan between her legs, that's not in the book. In the book, Happy challenges Natalie to fight, and Natalie refuses and leaves the ring. I took that, perhaps, as the little gag was added later in shooting. Maybe it wasn't in the original script that Happy got pinned. It didn't really impact the story as a whole. No need to include it. But then, later in Irvine's novel, just 12 pages later, characters are discussing Natalie using ninja moves in the ring. If I hadn't seen the movie, I would be completely dumbfounded what they were talking about. And it's more than just a reference 12 pages later. Natalie natalie's quick triumph over happy hogan becomes a subplot throughout the entire book for the rest of the novel there's an underlying tension between natalie and happy as he felt humiliated by her in the ring humiliated for what if you didn't see the movie you'd never have a clue and i refuse to accept it's assumed that you've seen the movie if you're reading the book because this book came out a month before the movie did the book should provide more than the movie but it should not rely on the movie Otherwise, you're just writing a companion piece or Rosencrantz and Gilderstern are dead for Iron Man set. That's not what this book is trying to do, and so I can't take that as an excuse. There's more. When Hammer is listing off the weapons to outfit on the war machine, he describes a missile. But without Sam Rockwell's great ad-libs that make that scene one of the most memorable in the film, no weapon is ever christened the ex-wife. Yet at the end of the book, Roddy keeps going on and on about the ex-wife, which, again, makes no sense if you haven't seen the film and realized the ex-wife is a super missile. Of course, in the movie the ex-wife is a great punchline, and in the book, well, I'll get to that. Finally, Ivan Vanko. We call him Whiplash because we know the comics. In the book, he christens his final armor Whiplash for the armor and whips it contains. But yet, we also have Tony in the latter half of the book referring to the character as Whiplash. Why? How does Tony know Vanko's secret name for his own armor? Sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. I want to make it very clear right now. I don't hold Irvine responsible for these inconsistencies, at least not solely responsible. In writing a novel, there are many people involved. The author writes the prose and determines the pacing, but there should be proofreaders, editors, hell, even a good friend reading the book and looking for these sorts of things. As it is, Irvine's novel feels like a first draft written in one night while high on Red Bull and Starbucks. He hit his word count, hit send to publisher, and no one ever looked back. I feel that by reviewing this book, I care more about it than anyone involved in its publication. That may be untrue, but from the unpolished, inconsistent mess of a book I read, it's how I feel. All that said, Irvine does get some things very right. In many cases with the previous novels, I was turning to author Peter David to explain things that the films themselves did not. Why do characters make some of the choices they do? Why do some things happen, like... Tony C. How High He Can Fly, or Abomination, deciding Harlem needed some remodeling. David usually provided no answers for these, I'm sad to say. He'd point out inconsistencies without smoothing them over. Irvine, on the other hand, really gets into the heads of these characters. He tells the book from a very strong point of view. And as such, the book is filled with an abundance of character motivation and exploration. If you hear my review of the film at nowplayingpodcast.com, you'll hear that I feel some characters in the movie aren't fully developed. Irvine provides the development that the script itself was lacking and, as such, deepens the Marvel Cinematic Universe. His explorations provide mixed results, however. Let's go through a few of the more notable additions Irvine made to the story. First off is the Ten Rings. Those who paid close attention to the first movie know the terrorists who kidnapped Tony Stark were members of the Ten Rings. And those who know the comics know what this implies, their connection to a certain Iron Man arch-nemesis. It's something Peter David explored even further in his Iron Man 1 novelization. Well, in this novel, Ivan Vanko is helped by the Ten Rings. The Ten Rings have a grudge against Tony and Iron Man for the blow he dealt to their operations in Afghanistan in the first movie, so they help Vanko in his plot to bring down Stark. In the movie, Vanko gets his ticket out of Moscow from just some shady anonymous guy. In the book... It's members of the Ten Rings that help provide Vanko passage out of Russia and into Monaco. A lot about the Ten Rings is put in these early chapters, describing them as ominous and dangerous while still being vague and mysterious. As we're told by Vanko's point of view, he doesn't want to know too much about the Ten Rings lest he be absorbed or killed for knowing too much. But he does suspect that the Ten Rings may have their origins in China. The Ten Rings is also involved in breaking Vanko out of prison, Ivan thinks they're taking him for being caught and having had their help, maybe killing him so he can't talk about his knowledge of their group. But in truth, Hammer hired the Ten Rings to do that dirty work. It really helps provide a through line because, as was said in many press statements and materials for Iron Man 1 and 2, director Jon Favreau really intended the films to be a trilogy ending with Mandarin as head of the Ten Rings group. Irvine's novelization helps provide that thread that the movie itself does not. Also fleshed out are the characters of Rhodey, Natalie, and Happy Hogan. In the film, these characters are really functional characters and Black Widow and Happy are virtually cameos rather than characters. Irvine fixes that. If again, if you listen to Now Playing, you heard our debate about Colonel James Rhodes, Rhodey, who becomes the war machine. Jacob and I say we understood why Rhodey did what he did with taking the suit, whereas Stuart thought it was the ultimate betrayal, making Rhodey as much of a villain as Hammer. Irvine is a Rhodey apologist, and he goes through great pains to paint Rhodey's actions in the best possible light. When the book starts... Rhodey's testifying against Stark, and while it's obvious in the movie and the book that it's reluctant and forced... Nonetheless, it sets up a contentious relationship between these two old friends. There was a cutscene in the movie, which is in the book, that has the two trading verbal jabs on Tony's suborbital airplane after the hearing. And in this scene, Irvine starts laying the groundwork for his pro rody stance, pointing out in prose that neither man was rational enough to state that Rody had no more notice about the hearing than Stark was giving by that pretty U.S. marshal. Of course, the act of Rhodey donning the suit during Tony's drunken birthday party is understandable, but after that, Rhodey giving the suit to the military is an act that could be seen as a betrayal. In Irvine's novelization, when Rhodey delivers the suit to his superiors, we're told that Rhodey wanted to use it as a shield, as Iron Man himself was, a deterrent. With Iron Man out of commission and Tony Stark drunk... Rody felt that the world peace that had been enabled was in danger without the U.S. having this kind of deterrent. It's the general above Rody who orders the Mark II armor armed to the teeth by hammer, and Rody starts to realize his ideals may not be realistic. It's a well-written, realistic dichotomy of a character who realistically knew how everything would turn out, but idealistically hoped it wouldn't. When he took the suit, it was for the right reasons, at least to Rhodey, but the more the suit was armed and put on display, the more it sank in how much he truly had betrayed his friend by taking it. It gives Rhodey an arc in this book that really has him exploring what he did and if it was the right thing to do. But Irvine is also of a fairly hard-lined opinion, that the line, next time baby, when Rhodey's looking at the Mark II armor in the first film, was a covetous statement that would influence Rhodey's every action. Early on in the book, Stark comes to the realization, and I quote, Rhodey wanted a suit. It was that simple. So Irvine actually has a realistic character who may be rationalizing his own actions to meet his own ends. And at the end of the book, he is more than happy to have it and refuses to return it, though it's implied S.H.I.E.L.D. wants to take it back, or, At the very least, prevent the U.S. military from proliferating armored suits like that one in case the operator went rogue or it were to fall into enemy hands. Yet even in this, there are inconsistencies. The book goes into details about the engineering challenges of arming the Mark II, altering the mass distribution and still keeping it flight-worthy, a lot of technical details that had never occurred to me, but obviously Irvine wanted to try to create a scientific realism to help us suspend our disbelief. There are also scenes of the engineers for the military working on the suit. And the first engineer who goes and tries to examine the suit is tased by the suit's security systems. It's nice and believable that Tony would have some security built on his armor just in case it were to try to be taken. But the fact is, it was taken. In the movie and in this book, Nick Fury asks Tony point blank, you're Iron Man and you couldn't stop him? Rhodey just took it? Well here, now we're given the extra layer that the suit has its own defenses, a taser built in in case someone tries to take it. So how did Rhodey take it? There's not a word on how is able to get that suit. There's not an aside of Tony programming in Rhodey as a backdoor in case something happened to him. There's no scene of Rhodey hacking the security system or Rhodey having knowledge of it that Tony had given him. There is no explanation just like the film. Also, when trying to name the new armor, Irvine says that before they came to War Machine, they looked at names like Overlord, Captain America, Terminator, Silver Surfer. A couple of these are nice little smiles to the audience, but the Captain America one actually completely undermines the Marvel Cinematic Universe continuity, as Captain America is actually a character who existed and was well-known in that universe. So... If they were going to call something Captain America, there should have just been a line like Captain America after the World War II hero instead of just a dropped Captain America reference like that. And as I said... Natalie the Black Widow is also far more explored in this book. We're given hints to Natalie's duplicitous nature early on and throughout the first half of the book, even if the boxing ring jujitsu scene is missing. Whenever trouble is around, Natalie's on the phone saying things to someone that she really shouldn't be sharing, such as Tony Stark's location and itinerary. Be it at Whiplash's appearance in Monaco or Tony's birthday party, she always seems to be saying the wrong thing to an anonymous unknown person. It's a nice little bit of interest. Intrigue into who is this person for the five people reading this book who don't know. I gotta figure if you're reading an Iron Man 2 novelization, you're pretty aware she's Black Widow. But in the book, The only one who notices is Happy, who, as mentioned, already has a grudge against the pretty redhead. Pepper also notices, but not as clearly. A little bit of romantic rivalry is built up in the book, and there's the line, There were at times when Pepper really could have sworn that Natalie's naive act was just that, an act. It felt like she was playing a role. Nobody with her combination of education, smarts, and travel could possibly be such an innocent. And we get to explore some of Natalie's inner thoughts about being an agent and how she may have really botched up her mission of watching over Iron Man as things progress. And we get our purest look into Natalie, or Natasha, on page 233 when Irvine writes, Ah, the life of a secret agent, Natasha thoughts. Changing in the backseat of a speeding car while a chauffeur ogles me and all the real action is probably happening back at the site I just left. And he also writes, she wanted to be the best and the baddest. She wanted to kick ass. She's even given the name Black Widow by Tony during the scene where he calls her a triple agent. Nice little character moments that far exceed anything we get out of Black Widow in the actual movie. That said, as I'll get to, the climax of the book is quite different than the film. In the book, Black Widow actually accomplishes absolutely nothing. In the film, she infiltrates Hammer's base and reboots the War Machine armor, putting it back in Rhodey's control. In the book, she infiltrates Hammer's base to find Vanko's left, and that's it. She ends up being a useless character, though a more fleshed-out one. As for Happy, in addition to his feud with Natalie, Happy has a major character moment. This is hinted at in the David novelization of the first movie, that a big subplot from the comic books is a love triangle between Pepper Potts, Tony Stark, and Happy Hogan. In this book, Happy tells Pepper, I've always loved you when crashing the car at Monaco. It's brought up again a couple of times, but yet never fully explored. And at the end of the book and the movie, Pepper is kissing Tony up on the rooftop, and any heartbreak Happy may feel is never explored or even mentioned. So why bring it up to drop it so quickly? It's a nice include if it had gone somewhere, but it seems like more poor planning in the writing of this novel. Maybe I should give Irvine the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that line was in the script, and Irvine had to figure out a way to shoehorn it into his book, and in the script it would never have been resolved, so Irvine had to let it go. I don't know, but I can say that in this book, it's just distracting. Also, when Black Widow and Happy get to Hammer's base, the entire fight scene is told from Happy's point of view. We get three pages of Happy discussing boxing as he fights his one guy. And Happy is totally oblivious to the ass-kicking Natasha is doing. He's just focused on his enemy, whereas in the final film, we see Happy throw a few punches, but the focus of the scene is entirely on Natalie. In the book, Happy knocks down his one guy and looks up and just sees the unconscious bodies Natalie left in her wake. It's a good way to handle the scene and does help give Happy a little bit more character in his boxing background. In addition to these minor characters, our two main characters, Tony Stark and Ivan Vanko, get a lot more exploration. Most of the scenes are told from the point of view of one of these two characters, and were given insight into their thinking process. Some of this is really nice and helps me appreciate their characters more. But unfortunately, sometimes it's done in a way that robs the book of suspense. For example, I already mentioned that when Ivan is being abducted after his breakout from prison, he thinks that it may be the Ten Rings planning on killing him. But in addition to that scenario, Vanko also goes through his mind all the possibilities of who's taking him, why, and what will happen to him when he reaches his ultimate destination. It's several pages that are devoted to this few seconds on screen, but... The possibility that Vanko goes on longest about is what he considers a fantasy, that he might not be damned to a quick and painful death, but rather taken in by a benefactor who saw his work in Monaco and would indulge him in designing other machines and performing more research, which happens to actually be the case. I think it would provide a little bit more drama. If Vanko really was fantasizing about what he might do to escape these captors or what he might be able to do to plead to save his own life or show he doesn't care if he lives or dies, he's made God bleed in his words and that's enough. Instead, we get pages of him wishing he might be taken by a benefactor who will give him the ability to build more machines, which is exactly what happens, which ruins it. It just completely ruins the final result. And the same thing happens when Ivan meets Hammer. In the movie, Hammer keeps popping up in Ivan's workshop, and as played by Sam Rockwell, he really steals the scenes almost as much as Robert Downey Jr. does the scenes he's in. Because of Rockwell's charisma and performance, you never feel that character's absent from the movie. But in the book, Hammer basically disappears in the middle third of the novel. There's the scenes at Hammer industry, but they're told from Ivan's point of view. And again, we're given insight into Ivan's every thought. And because of this, we know from the outset that Ivan is using Hammer, seeing through the businessman's bravado, and he plans to kill and betray Hammer from day one. We're equally told that Ivan's going to ignore Hammer's request for suits and instead make drones, drones intent on killing Tony Stark. Every bit of suspense and surprise for the climax of this book is gone when it's spelled out for you in excruciating detail 50 pages in advance. The way it's written, this book has no surprises. That said, a lot of the things in the movie that we take as just happening are explained. For example, we know Tony needs his arc reactor near his heart. It's nice that it's centered on his chest from a design aesthetic of a comic artist, but it has a reason for being there. It needs to be the magnet, keeping his shrapnel out of his heart and preventing him from going into cardiac arrest but Ivan Vanko War Machine all the drones they could have arc reactors wherever they wanted they could have the arc reactor on their foot or they could put it on their butt or housed protectively inside more armor why do they all have them on their chest obviously from a movie studio art development standpoint it's because the artist wanted to make callbacks to the Iron Man design to show similarities but that's an artistic reason not an engineering reason here Ivan continues to put the arc reactor in the chest to mock Tony to show him his own design perverted for use against him, and hoping that the arc reactor, as built by Vanko, is the last thing Tony will see before he dies. The entire design of the whiplash suit, from the eyes to the mask, is explained to be a parody of Tony's Mark IV armor. And why does Vanko create his own whiplash armor? He seemed to do fine in Monaco without armor, although it is explained in the book that the armor Tony had in Monaco, the Mark V, was underpowered, built for portability, not for strength. And had Tony had the Mark IV in Monaco, he would have taken out Whiplash far more quickly. But in the book, it's explained that the Mark V inspired Vanko's own armor. Irvine writes, Ivan Vanko had seen the armor did not have to be clumsy. It did not have to slow its wearer down. It could make up for many of the human body's weaknesses and amplify many of the body's strengths. It's a nice exploration for a trope of the supervillain becoming even more super at the end of the movie. Tony Stark's thoughts are explored to better results, and as such, he has far more of an arc in this film. We also get some nice characterization of Tony Stark being a genius. When Hammer is outfitting the War Machine armor, Rhodey realizes that Tony Stark's an engineer at heart rather than a businessman. Irvine writes, Tony spoke the language of the barely possible, the thing that could maybe have been done if the brain could be stretched enough to see the way to do it. In short, Hammer picked pedestrian weapons to put on the suit, while Tony dreamed up elegant, sleek, and streamlined new weapons that outpowered and didn't bulk it up. In the movie... Iron Man tells War Machine you have a big gun you're not the big gun and that's kind of what Irvine is stressing here is just because they put a Gatlin gun on War Machine's shoulder does not make him more powerful than Iron Man because the weapons Iron Man has the repulsor and that beam that takes out all of the drones really quickly are the types of things that the military hasn't even thought to build and yet Tony built them and put them on the Iron Man armor it really does help to keep Iron Man special in a movie where armor's popping up all over. Also, the book describes that six months have passed since the first movie, and in that time, he's done such things as dropped fire retardant over the Los Angeles foothills and taken clandestine phone calls from the CIA about certain mistakes that were now having unforeseen consequences and needed to be rectified without anybody knowing about it. But as the book and the movie both have Tony say, he serves at the pleasure of himself. And he acts as Iron Man, while helpful to others, are really done for his own glory and his sense of self-importance. But throughout the book and the movie, as his friendships break down and Pepper gets angry with him for losing the Mark II armor at his birthday party, Rhodey takes the suit, and Natalie even ends up working for Pepper, Tony is left totally alone with just Jarvis, and he realizes that he's lived a very selfish life. After he's rescued by his new arc reactor, he's a changed man for these experiences. He worries far more about saving civilians than himself. He truly is a superhero. In the end fight... He takes missiles on his armor, risking his own life because to dodge the missiles would mean putting innocent lives in danger when the missiles did go off. It's truly an evolution of the Tony Stark character from the selfish narcissist we saw in the opening scenes of Iron Man 1 to a real superhero that's going to go on to be a major part of the Avengers in the next film. But the Avengers, what about them? How do they fit into this novelization? Do we get any hints at the upcoming movie or the role Tony Stark's going to play? Things are a bit different with S.H.I.E.L.D. in this book. Nick Fury does show up in the middle of it where he brings Tony Howard's films and says that Howard Stark was one of the founding members of S.H.I.E.L.D. And there is a cute moment where Tony calls Fury obi One eye a reference to Jackson's other iconic character, Mace Windu. But S.H.I.E.L.D.'s presence in this book is really minimal. Despite Black Widow and Agent Coulson working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and all of that progressing as it is, a lot of things that tie into the future Marvel movies seem to have come late in production and aren't in this book. In this book, Agent Coulson never leaves to go take care of something in the Southwest. The reference to his appearance in Thor. No, actually in this book, Agent Coulson is there right through the climax, and at the end of the book, he's running around with Pepper Potts just like he did in the first Iron Man movie. Again, I'll get to that ending a little bit later. Also, the book ends with Pepper and Tony kissing on the roof, which is a nice place to end, but... We don't get the very funny scene of Tony confronting the senator or getting his award as is in the movie. And we also don't get the scene of Nick Fury again saying, we don't want Tony Stark as part of the Avengers, we want Iron Man and the consultant bit. None of that is in this book, and I do suspect... Much like how the Nick Fury post-credits scene wasn't in the Iron Man 1 novelization, this is Marvel really wanting to play its cards close to its vest. They don't want me to be able to go into Barnes & Noble, pick up the Iron Man 2 novelization, flip and read the last few pages to find out how it's going to tie into Avengers. But honestly, a lot of the best parts of Iron Man 2 are the things that portends for future films like Thor and Avengers, and so to not have them tied into this book really undermines this book's place as part of a Marvel Cinematic Universe instead of just a standalone Iron Man film. Now, I've talked quite a bit about the end of this book, and it is a long ending. This book is under 300 pages, but the Stark Expo begins at page 200 with Pepper and Natalie showing up. By page 200, Hammer is ready to demonstrate his drones and the War Machine armor, which we already knew from page 150 Vanko had sabotaged, and Tony knows bad things are going to happen and has to finish off his arc reactor and go save the day. And it really isn't that many pages before it happens. Which means that the climax of this book is a hundred pages long. This entire final fight is a hundred pages long. And there's no suspense in any of it. We're told in excruciating detail, page after page after page, of Tony fighting against the drones. You know that cool scene where Iron Man flies through the big globe at the Stark Expo and the drones try to follow him and blow up? In the book... Six pages, six full pages are described to that few seconds on screen. I love good action in a book. This isn't good action in a book. This is excruciatingly detailed, long drawn out action that has no purpose. If we didn't know what was coming next, if it was a roller coaster ride of twists and turns, and oh my god, I can't believe Venko did that, that would be one thing. But Irvine continually spoils his own story. It's a mess that couldn't end quick enough. Now, I do know there are a lot of things going on during this climax, in addition to. Iron Man and Rhodey fighting and all the drones. There's also Pepper Potts with Agent Coulson trying to track down Justin Hammer and Happy and Natasha breaking into Hammer Industries and Ivan Vanko, who, it said, can't fly in his suit So he literally just walks to the expo in the suit. But it really is a protracted climax of this book, and it doesn't justify the length. What I did find interesting, though, were the differences between the ending of the film in the book and what we see in the movie. As I already mentioned, Black Widow's given the short shrift here because she goes to Hammer Industries and accomplishes nothing. And I think I do remember hearing in Jon Favreau's commentary or one of the bonus features features on the Blu-ray, that Natalie being the one who reboots the War Machine armor was a later addition to the script that gives Natalie something to do. I guess I just didn't realize it was after we started shooting change, not a last-minute script revision change. In the book, and likely in the original shooting draft, it's Tony who spends his time flying around fighting these Hammer Drones, while at the same time working with Jarvis to hack the War Machine software. Vanko and the military provided such good firewalls that Tony and Jarvis weren't able to break it very easily. And finally, after 30, 40, 50 pages, Tony realizes that what they've done is modify the kernel of the operating system. And Irvine is one who really likes his technobabble, and so we get a great explanation of what the kernel of an operating system is for those who don't know. But in order to upload the new kernel, Tony has to perform a manual data upload using a data spike that he has in his armor which I think was actually stolen straight out of RoboCop. If you remember RoboCop having that spike in his hand that he could use to jack into the OCP systems, well, now Iron Man has one of those too and uses it to puncture the War Machine armor and upload new software, making Tony the one who saves Rhodey and gets Rhodey fighting with him in the War Machine armor instead of just waiting for Natalie. Pepper, on the other hand, if you heard my review at Now Playing, doesn't really do very much in this climax well, that is also a change. In this book, she does the exact same thing she did in Iron Man 1. She becomes the damsel in distress. Vanko shows up, and rather than just walking into the geodesic dome where the Hammer Drones had been and deciding to try to take on Rhodey and Stark himself, Vanko takes Pepper hostage, which means Stark has to leave Rhodey fighting off the last of the Hammer Drones and go and try to save her. It's an interesting scene, because it's played very differently than in Iron Man 1, where it just ends with a major fight between the two characters. Here, Tony actually has to take off his armor, and as described, the Mark Six armor, and remember it changed from Mark IV to Mark 6 mid-fight, the Mark Six armor is just like... The Mark V armor. And Tony's able to have it fold down to the briefcase, or it's called in the book The Football, and is completely armorless while ...facing off against Vanko, forced to do a battle of minds instead of just a battle of armor. And all he's really doing is stalling for time, because it's Rhodey who flies in at the last minute, launches the ex-wife, and kills Vanko. So it also, in many ways, robs Tony of the heroic moment of ever vanquishing the enemy. In the movie... Rody and Tony together fire their repulsors and take down the big bad guy. It makes them equally heroes in that last fight. In this, yes, we did get the character exploration that showed Tony taking hits that he didn't need to in order to save others. We are shown he is a true hero, but he has no part other than stalling in the vanquishing of Vanko. And that is a big mistake. So overall, I'm really, really disappointed in this book. I am. I just can't believe how let down I am by the sloppy nature of it. But I did enjoy some of the character explorations, and I did like seeing this alternate ending, which very likely was the original shooting script ending. It's always fascinating to me to see the changes made for character balance, and I have to say, even though I had my problems with Iron Man 2 the movie, the ending in the movie is a hundred times better than the ending in this book. But then again, so is the pacing, so is the humor. So I can't say I got nothing out of this book, but I can't say it's worth a read either. And if you do decide to read it, maybe just jump to the last 40 pages of the 100-page final just to see what the differences could have been and go, yeah, the movie was better. All that said, as I said previously, I don't blame Irvine solely for this book's failures. And keep an eye on Books and Nachos. When things calm down a little bit, I think I'm going to go back and check out his Iron Man virus book, because if this man's going to write for Star Wars, I really want to know, was this book his fault, or was it just a bad circumstance? And with that, I complete my series of Avengers Cinematic Universe movie novelization reviews, but I'm not done. I've gotten some great feedback on these segments, so I will continue, not next show, but two shows from now, We are starting to build up to The Amazing Spider-Man next. Avengers isn't even out yet, but Amazing Spider-Man is looming on the horizon. And I gotta say, a big factor in my doing this, Peter David wrote the Spider-Man novelizations. I'm very curious to see what he brings to the Spider-Man world, especially Spider-Man 3. So starting with our June 1st show, I will be reviewing those Spider-Man novelizations. And so with that, we are ready for Avengers. woo And of course, this is our last show before the Avengers, and we've been doing our Fiverr songs. This was the second Fiverr song I got. I've been teasing it out a long time. Saved the best for last, in my opinion. Here is this week's final Avengers Fiverr song. Shh. If you like that song, I may be a little partial. I did write the lyrics.
1: It's a good song if you like the Beatles, and I am not one of those people.
2: Not a huge Beatles fan. I do like Aerosmith though, and that may be why I have an affection for this song.
1: Not an Aerosmith fan either. I married you. Yes, you did. And I married you.
2: We will be back mid-month as we always are with a special show. We're gonna have some special guests joining us to talk all about Avengers and Avengers collectibles.
1: That's our show for
3: this week, boys. So until next time, true collectors, make mine Marvelicious Toys.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Marvelicious Toys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help our show by leaving a positive review for the show on iTunes. There's even more Marvelicious content at our website, MarveliciousToys.com. At the site, you can see pictures of the products we discussed, find checklists for Marvel Toys, talk and trade with the Marvelicious Forums, and much more. It's all at MarveliciousToys.com. We want to hear your thoughts on Marvel collectibles. You can leave reports of your latest toy finds as well as product reviews on our voicemail at 803-MARVEL-4. Or email an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at MarveliciousToys.com. Marvelicious Toys is produced and edited by Arnie Carvalho. Podcast enhancement by Variant. Marvelicious website design by Jason. Graphic design by Justin. Announcements by Brock. The Marvelicious theme song, Bam, Pow, Kablam, is composed by Joe Harrison. See more of Joe's work at www.starwarsfanworks.com slash lion's mouth. If you also like Star Wars, Star Wars Collecting is covered weekly at our other podcast, Star Wars Action News, which you can find at SWActionNews.com. Marvel Comics and all of the Marvel Multiverse contains are the intellectual property of Marvel Entertainment Incorporated, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. Marvelicious Toys is a Venganza Media production. Copyright 2012. All rights reserved. Iron
2: Vankoff. Iron Vankoff? What am I doing? And those who know the comics know what this implies, with their connection to a certain Iron Man or Narch? Narch?
3: Are you coming clothed or unclothed tonight, Mr. McConaughey? (laughs) Well, let me tell you what Melbitos is packing here. I'm going to get my bongos. (laughs) I sure like them freshman girls. (laughs) I keep getting older. They keep staying the same age. (laughs) Yes, they do. (laughs) Uh, I know one thing for sure. You're going to end up in jail sometime real soon. (laughs) I love that movie. That's a good movie. Oh, I know the
1: this.
3: Yeah,
2: thirty-nine, dude. Our show's dirty enough already. When we get to issue sixty-nine, I think it's just gonna be all like porno pics of action figures. All right, Marjorie, start us off.
1: Hello, and welcome to thirty-nine. As Marjorie.
2: Oh, Marjorie, your mic is not on.
3: Wow. I was gonna say I can't hear. I hear it through your mic. Yeah, just grip that mic. Move it, bitch.
2: Sorry, Make, it. make those heads bobble on my bobble heads. It's <laughs> like little old ladies judgments.
1: <laughs> you know how old ladies shake their head in judge.
2: I, I hope the pictures of those came out clear because they were all bobbling after I turned them. I'd like turn them left and they'd do the old lady head wag.
1: see, <laughs> Why did you get the green communications? No one gets a green communications. What are you gonna do with that? Who's You're, ugly. Lying? You're ugly. You're
6: ugly. <laughs>
3: She's channeling my mother. Somebody's got issues. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's mom's bitch. Okay, let's right. go. Right. Can you hear her? I okay still now? can't hear. Her. Oh. Still hear her through your mic? No. There you are.
1: Oh, trying so to like All eat it. Right. That's not gonna work. Is yeah, this... put it in your mouth. No.
2: Put it. How far back can it go?
1: No. <laughs> is this better?
3: Justin, did that? Was that good for you? Yeah, I mean, I can hear you as long as, as long as it's recording.
1: Is it recording? No, it was it... good
3: for me. It is recording. Okay. All right.
2: Noted. Justin only does it on tape. <laughs> got it. It's that kind of night. I've spent <laughs> three amazing. hours alone in the basement with a camera.
1: And I'm really tired, so
4: You're
2: super duper funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I got an Avengers tattoo. I didn't tell Marjorie.
3: It's Black Widow. I kid you not. This, I gotta see. Wait, where is it? Before you, before you whip it out, what body part are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> is that for real? Margie, what do you think about him having, having a tattoo on that part of his body? I, he wants to
1: go with... <laughs> this is a brutal
2: did, slap did bracelet, by the way. <laughs> Did I have to shave? No, I'm just naturally airless. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> his people aren't known for having less hair, which is good. <laughs>
2: There were there were no character art. Uh, there was no character. There were no character art. That's that's good grammar, English major. <laughs> there.
1: He's like a teen girl of a boy decision. band. <laughs> oh my God, it's yeah, Justin!
3: It. Oh my God, it's
1: Simon! Yeah, you, that's kind of like what you are.
3: You've got Bieber-ish kind of <laughs> crush going on here. Hey, we like a, We bought a zoo is a very good movie. Damn it. You did see it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sister wives.
2: It's okay, Justin. You're really the Barb. We won't tell her you're not the Nikki.
3: <laughs> Does that mean I have breast cancer?
1: Was it breast cancer or was it like colon cancer? It
3: was breast cancer. It, I think it was some sort of lady part cancer. Lady part
1: <laughs> 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 cancer down below. <laughs> You can see, like, boob cleavage, and she's got some... As
3: opposed to... Butt butt cleavage. cleavage. Ah, bleavage.
1: Bleavage. These are, like, the ones that I
2: get. <laughs> now, I've been very good at feeling up the little sacks in the store, and... So you
1: were feeling up little sacks?
3: <laughs> in the store?
1: Yeah. Do they call the cops? Is this, like, the time you watch porn with your sister? <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's rare I can make it speechless.
3: I'm just waiting for him to try to, to backpedal out of this one.
1: Yeah, you really This
3: should be interesting.
1: He <laughs> says, crossing the balls in the store.
2: <laughs> no, I was squeezing them to see if they were nerf need, or nothing. Kind of- no, I don't need any Avengers balls. So I've been I've done pretty well at feeling the bags and determining...
3: <laughs> what, feeling the bags is bad, too? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not great. It's
2: not great. <laughs> okay. If you pick them up and you start squeezing them, you know the camera's on, right?
1: See it? I'm out of frame. See? Why did you do that? <laughs> it-
3: Feeling around, and I was like, oh, that's definitely a figure. It's round and it's hard. I'm getting this one, and I opened it up, and it was a stupid pen. Do you so often not go
2: heavy. for the things that are round and hard? <laughs> <sighs> they also come with these nice octagonal one, two, three, four, five, six, hexagonal, polygonal bases. Po- polygonal? Polygonal? Sextagonal. Sextagonal. They come with these nice sextagonal, leave it to the graphic artist.
1: Well, I would have really <laughs> liked these that it have been an octagon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, just two oh, sides Are you short
1: funnier when you're tired I'm
2: not tired oh they come with these nice bases that the figure <laughs> 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 thing of heroics balls mm. Get it out of your system.
1: I know, balls are funny.
2: Especially when there's a huge thing of them. I'm yeah. glad you don't have them, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that.
1: They'll never have a Black Widow movie.
2: They're talking about it. No. They're talking about it. They're in talks. No, I don't. She's not
3: returning for Iron Man 3. She's hoping to get Black Widow 1.
2: And so I actually, can you unplug and plug in? Yep, yep. Oh how God. I told you about my robot friend He's happy and gay And we play toys all day He's the best friend in the world He's my robot friend
1: He just has to go I
3: am awesome Oh. Am I back? You're back I'm back So
2: <coughs> I am going to spend your money da-da-la. You will buy all of these hot toys soon Pre-order <laughs> Marvelicious Toys, I come on and go, Well, I pre ordered another one. I don't know why I said that like Reagan, but.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> People of America, we have to buy the hot toys and eat the jelly beans. He didn't like jelly beans. Yeah, he was a big jelly bean guy. Um, and ketchup's a vegetable.
6: Yes.
2: And hot toys are not dolls. <laughs>
3: Trying to find the picture. Not, I, there should be a link. It's, it's, it's not a link. No. no link in the notes. I know. And we're almost done. Hot toys captain.
2: That almost sounds like I'm going to a freaky gay website. Hot toys captain.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> there now there's oh, a yeah. link. We knew that Walmart was getting ready to do some six-inch Marvel Legends styles like they've done for Thor and Captain America and Iron Man. Do you like 6 inches Marvel Legends style?
1: (laughs) Is that where you take your leg and you put it up?
2: (laughs) Is that where the one figure? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Justin, you know I like it, Legend style. (laughs)
3: Legendary. All right. Here we go again. (laughs)
2: sorry you guys made me you guys made me like crack up with the bag checks. so
1: i'm sorry i'm feeling picked up sweet
2: no i can take it
1: you're a little hyped a little you have to admit
3: Uh, about six inches of hype (laughs) if hot toys aren't your thing or if you're like me and you have to just kind of admire most of them from afar Maybe the Walmart six-inch legend figures are more your speed, and we know we can't these handle coming. the twelve wow. inches. They're six inches. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I'm not going to segue. I will not segue. <laughs> Sorry,
2: I promise. I'll beat myself if I come up with anything else. <laughs> <laughs> we all good? Yeah, we're good. All right. What the hell? It, my my monitor actually just went off. Snap! Your Flash Player crashed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. off. Snap! Something went wrong displaying this page. I love that. What the hell kind of error message is off? Snap, boy! <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> that is the funkiest web page error ever. Now I have to like view them quickly. Okay, I'll do the. All right, here it finally comes. God damn it. And then I'll go into my review there, which I have yet to read or record, so we'll just put it there.
1: <laughs> when are you going to find time to read?
2: Oh, I've, I've almost re- I, I I meant write and review. I've read oh. the book. I have to write it at work tomorrow and then record it tomorrow night. Oh. It only takes me ten minutes.
1: <laughs> Nothing takes you ten
2: minutes. You're right. It only takes me two. <laughs> Bragger. <laughs> Alright, and I've got a good segue out of
3: my book reveal. So until next time, true collectors. Make mine Black Widow. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and while I was down in St. Louis, I did go into the Disney store there, and I finally broke down after going to the Disney store many, many times, I bought all four of those Avengers exclusive Marvel Select figures.
3: Eh. Yeah,
2: that's a place to do it, I guess. Well, I was... <laughs> I didn't have much joy. <laughs> or did you mean St. Louis? Like the gateway to the West is the perfect place to get Avengers
3: toys. No, I meant the Disney store. <laughs>